June 26, 2023, a couple of tired boys ready to get in the weeds. I am at Joel Pearl, as always. Jeremy Lambert is with me, and Jeremy had as busy a night as anybody else in the world of professional wrestling. How are you feeling this morning, Jeremy? Joel, where's your energy? Where's your excitement for the show this morning? Come on. Come on in the weeds, in the weeds, justified in the weeds chant, in the weeds, in the weeds. Thank you to all the great fans of In the Weeds for tuning in this morning as we're running behind because Joel Pearl can't get his shit together already. Sorry, curses in the first minute. But we're excited. We're pumped up. We had a tremendous show last night. AEW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Forbidden Door, tremendous show. One of the best shows ever. Buy rates were up. Attendance were up. Biggest gate in history. We're fired up, Joel Pearl. Don't need a super Joel Pearl chat. said, tired people. I'm not going to let you speak. Joel Pearl said, we're tired. Who's looking tired? Absolutely not. Joel Pearl, do you see this coffee mug? It says, I'm a mom. What's your superpower? That's the kind of coffee we're rolling with today. That's the kind of superpowers we're rolling with today. I stole my wife's coffee mug this morning. <laughs> Pow. Anyway, come coffee for the worker man. Anyway, we're fired up, Joel. Come on. We're getting there. Listen, we're going to get there. I swear to God, we're going to get there. Leave your thumbs up. <clears throat> See, that's how bad it is. I'm still trying to get over the last weekend. When I have problems with my voice, you know it's been a busy one. Uh, go ahead. Leave a super chat if you want to get your question statement read right on the air. That supports us here at Fightful Overbooked. My plugs are all over the place. Thumbs up. That's the free 99 version. So go ahead. Leave one right now if you haven't yet. And, of course, subscribe to us here at Fightful Overbooked. 14,200 and something of you can't be wrong. I mean... There could be more. Did I misspell something on the thumbnail? It's entirely possible that I misspelled something on the thumbnail. Oh, boy, Joel. That's fine. Oh, boy. You, you act like you did something last night. You act like you had like a long weekend, and this isn't the only thing you do. What's this is the only thing what's happening, Joel? Yeah, door creashed. Creashed? Yeah, okay. <laughs> creashed. I think I originally wrote close. Okay, let's, let's pull back the curtain. Someone in the chat asked, what time do you get home from the scrub? Creashed. Creashed. Someone asked, what time did you get home from the scrums last night? Uh, so Kate stayed at my place uh, last night, and we got back around 3.30. We left, it was 2.30. Yeah, it ended about 2.30. Yeah, so it took us about an hour to get home because we had to get the car. We drove some people back to their Airbnb. Actually, Charlie from uh, Russell Puris, who is a sweetheart, her and her brother. Uh, so uh, shout out to them. They, they were great, and they uh, they were with us in the scrum. Um yeah, so so we drove them back to the Airbnb, and then we uh, we drove back here. So by by about four ish, I was asleep, and I uh, woke up to deal with well, not deal with to spend time with my baby at at seven ish. My wife, thank God, was like mostly doing the work, and then I helped them get out the door this morning, and then I crashed for another hour and a half. Woke up, got Kate out of here because I needed to kick her out into the into the world get home in time and then i had to drag the mattress that was behind me that would have been behind me where she was sleeping out of the room out of the office reset the office kind of there's a there's a router over there that you can see that normally is where my my setup is everything's just all over the place and uh yeah yeah and then i had to do set up the stream get the the thumbnail i asked jeremy to put the article up on the website because normally i would do that the night before this is what i'm dealing with today so let's have some fun Wow, Joel, life is so difficult for yes. you covering the world of professional yep. wrestling. It is. It is. I feel so bad uh-huh. for you, Joel Pearl. Is the world's tiniest 
violin. It's worth a lot of money, that tiny violin. I've been told that uh, it has it is a measurable value. But yeah, listen, I'm not going to I'm not going to complain about the fact that I had a great weekend. I'm not going to complain about uh, the experiences that I had. And it's it really is very much in, in part of the support that we get from uh, from our viewers and uh, from from the people who, who support us at Fightful. Uh, that that's never lost on me. And I, I just, I do want to thank everyone who uh, helps us propel and, and do those things. That's really cool. Um, when I complain, listen, I'm, I can complain. <laughs> no, no complaining aloud after last night. I'm Joel. an old Jewish man. I can complain. No complaining aloud. You no. need muffins and water spritzer. If Best you're going to complain. Coke. Best I can do is diet Coke, especially once that crowd started chanting Pepsi's better. <laughs> They can of Pepsi sucks, so I'm just gonna let that slide. Yeah, I was about to say they didn't they they don't like the Pepsi in Toronto, which seems weird. I feel like Toronto is a Pepsi town, but I guess I guess not when certain people are around. Depends where you go. Some of the places have better contracts with Pepsi and some of them have better contracts with Coke. I know you're a a diet Coke person, Joel Pro. I run on coffee only. Coffee and water. That's the only thing I drink. Yeah, Diet Coke and water for me. I don't drink coffee, so. Coward. I, yeah, I used to drink coffee. I gave up on it. Anyway, so we're here. We I drink made- two times caffeine coffee, Joel. That's how I get through my day. And on AEW event nights, I have two of those cups. I had one during the pre-show. So I was, I was actually like not super fired up during the show. It was a long day yesterday. But I'm super fired up this morning, Joel Pearl. Were you, I can see you like having one of those coffees and like sitting at the keyboard and instead of typing your hands are just floating over the keyboard as you jitter along. That's what happens because I'm godlike when I work. And so I just elevate. That, that's yeah, that's it. It's exactly it. <laughs> Head of the game, Jeremy Lambert. Oh man. So, so where do you want to start? We can go chronologically. Uh, Kate and I did a show yesterday. Uh, shout out to the Toronto public library. I can't believe I get to say that on the air. Uh, they had a podcasting room available for us, so we were able to uh, sit in in a very good soundproof room. They set us up. It was a very simple setup, but we were able to do our show, and a lot of people were were joining us and watching, so good times. Uh, I just want to shout out the uh, Toronto Public Library. If you are going to support your local library, know that the resources go beyond books, okay? That's my nerdy plug of the day. Um, <laughs> so the show Kate and I did was a lot of fun. We uh, we went to Collision on Saturday night. We went to Girls Next Door, which was the uh, Smash Wrestling and Femme Fatale co-branded show. Uh, Nicole Matthews, who we had on the show on Friday, ended up winning her match and won the Femme Fatale championship from Alexi and Nicole. Uh, I ended up doing an interview with uh, with Nicole afterwards, and let me tell you, we wind up on the floor. Yeah, did she beat you up? You have to watch the interview, Jeremy. I'll send it to you once I uh, um, offload it onto my computer finally get beat up uh shout out to Nicole Matthews for for winning you know only champions on this show I realize this person wasn't part of any of the shows wrestling wise but our, our pal Megabyte Ronnie he qualified for the Nathan's hot dog eating contest over the weekend so champs only here on in the weeds the first thing I said was oh my god this is amazing and what's this gonna do for our July 3rd plans uh I'll talk to you about that off air <laughs> That was the first thing I was like, nope, there goes that. But honestly, though, Ronnie, that's amazing. I I don't know if if Ronnie's watching or if he keeps track of this, but uh, congratulations. That's that's some great news for for Ronnie. Um, Yeah, so so 
we did that. Uh, Trisha Dora, we got an interview with her as well. That's going to be coming. Uh, it's a fightful. Uh, Kate actually did that one. I said to her, "Hey, listen, she wrestles on Ring of Honor. Are you gonna, you you get to do this one." She was more than happy to. So that was great. Uh, yeah, it was it was a really fun weekend that we got Forbidden Door last night and. Listen, I'm not going to lie. The show, when you start your day at 7 a.m. and the show starts at 7 p.m. and you've been going since, you know, for at that point, 12 hours, um, it's, it's it can be a long show. But there were easily a, most of the show I was engaged and just happy to watch. Um, there was there was some great matches. There were some great moments. Uh, obviously, everyone talks about Brian Danielson getting the final countdown and the match itself. Kenny and Will got tremendous praise, and it's very warranted. My God. Uh, I personally, I loved the storytelling that went on in that match. Holes unincluded. I wish the referees would start, you know, enforcing matches. If you're going to kick someone out, come on. Why does Don Callis get to come back? Anyway. But, he had uh, SWAT security with him. Who was going to stop that man? <laughs> the amount of people who were, we were all joking with each other throughout the whole time. Uh, I turned to Pat Leprat, who was, who was sitting in the audience with us. And I said, uh, what's the over under on one of those guys being Goldberg? And then he said, I think it's Akam and Razor. <laughs> and then we just sat there. I think good, actually. It would have been, but we knew, we knew it wasn't going to play in that the two armed guards were somebody, but it was fun. Why why weren't they Mounties? That's what I want to know. They should have been Mounties. I I wonder if that would have been okay. Like I wonder if they would have they would have had to pay a fee. But it's a costume. I don't know. Cuz I mean, listen, once upon a time Mox when he was Dean Ambrose dressed up as the Mountie. Would it have been would it have been too hokey? Anyway, that's why it's like, oh, oh yeah. the Mounties cuz the Mountie Association, we think of it as a comedy kind of thing in wrestling so i think that's the the biggest reason i can think of is why they didn't do mounties it still would have been way i mean it would have been hokey but it would have been hilarious if they were just mounties also the mountie always gets his man and they didn't yeah. get Kenny last night kenny may have lost the match but it wasn't because of the mounties they played yeah, they a minimal been mounties. nobody was nobody's gonna stop them if they were mounties coming out there i mean i guess nobody stopped them they were just ninjas almost coming out there canadian ninjas that's a pretty scary thing, I guess. Yeah, they do a lot of uh, skiing. <laughs> that's that's how they train. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there was just there was a lot of stuff. Jungle Boy turning on Hook was um, was ex- as expected as it was. The moment was was very well received. Again, I got to give it to the crowd. That was uh, a very hyped crowd. They had a lot of fun. They kept with it all night. My God, we will talk about the CM Punk match and the collision match as well but uh yeah the jungle boy match i it didn't do much for me in the ring it it was kind of a downer match for most of the crowd but by the time we got to the closing angle that that got them back into it and once they all realized that taz was also on the call that was a uh, that was a good added bonus agreed i mean we we kind of knew the the turn was coming i think a lot of people hinted at the the turn or outright said the turn was going to come. It was hinted enough on television. It's much needed for, for jungle boy. Um, you know, we'll see what they, what they do with him. He's going to face, I assume at some point he's going to face hook and you're either going to give hook that L finally, or you're going to kind of immediately cut off your heel jungle boy by having him lose to, to hook. So 
that it'll be an interesting call. I assume Hook take, finally takes the L here because I don't think it's great if you're just going to have Jungle Boy immediately lose his first big feud as a heel. That doesn't seem... They might not even do the match for a while. They might skirt around it with tag team matches, which they have loved to do, I feel, here recently. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see where, where that ends up going. It was much needed, though. Taz is going to beat Jungle Boy's ass uh, if uh, if he's not careful out there. It's going to give him a Taz Plex just right onto the floor. And then we're all is Jungle Boy going to change his theme? That was, I think that's the biggest talking point here. Is Are we going to change the... Uh... I kind of don't want them to. I want to see the, the just the juxtaposition of him coming out and getting booed to that theme. Just like the people have to restrain themselves from singing. And I want to see wrestling... Are they though? Strength. Are they? Because it... It feels very Chris Jericho Judas where they're still going to like sing and everything. And then you just, because that was the uh, idea behind Jericho keeping the song is like, well, are we going to change it just because I'm heel? Like people forget once the song ends anyway, people just, they hate me again once the song ends. So I could see him keeping the theme and yeah, maybe they just boo it while, while it's going. But I also think it's such a catchy theme and people like it. People like doing the hand waving that they're just going to, go with it and then once the bell rings they don't like him anymore so here's the thing about what you just said with jericho's quote um or at least what he said about the the theme he digs himself in a hole which is not what you want to do with your character just because people sing it doesn't like he then has to go and like flip off the crowd do extra heel work and I don't think that's needed. Uh, no, I'm, I'm again. Yeah, listen, it's nitpicky, but this is in the weeds, so we do this. My my general feeling is like, why add that extra element of possibly being cheered and liked when you can just go all in? Like, I'll take MJF for example. That theme, that theme doesn't say that. That theme's a shithead theme, and he, and he does he does everything the right way. He got he got cheered and then he got booed, and I can't even explain what had people doing what they did when he came out and before he came out, the booze rained down for like the first 30 seconds. And then all of a sudden he comes out and he, and they're cheering and then they're booing again. And he didn't do much to do it. Um, he didn't put himself behind the eight ball. I think it's, uh, and again, it's something we talk about in AEW where it's like in a company where if everyone's over, it's the ones who are hatedly over that seem to get a lot of attention, um, which if you if you harness that power, that's a good thing. The guns are a very good example of that. But uh, we t- and again, that's something we talked about. But uh, or maybe Kate and I talked about that. Anyway, either way, it's been discussed. And last night with Jungle Boy, I felt like people were ready to boo him. They were clearly very excited when the angle happened. I thought for a minute that they were going to do a throw hook off the stage spot. But me too. Yeah, clearly not where they went. Which which honestly, I'm fine with. I'd rather this. Uh, progressively become a little more violent. And I think you may have a point with the tag team stuff, especially with this uh, lethal lottery eliminator coming up. It's like, oh, MJF and Adam Cole, you're not the only ones who are strange bedfellows. They better not do that, by the way. They better not team them up. It's too cutesy at that point. Yeah. Like at that point, you need the only one, only one strange bedfellows tag team, and that is the team of MJF and Adam Cole, and they're going to go all the way to the final, and then MJF is going to screw Adam Cole, and they're going to drop the fall, and that's it. 
they're going to reunite Swerve and Keith Lee because <laughs> there is this is what I'm talking about where they're just doing a bunch of tag team matches and stuff. Like feels like we should have hit that one as, as a singles match at some point, and we just we never did. At least not on a big stage. Did they have a singles match? I legit can't remember. Keith and Swerve. Have, I yeah. don't think they did. There was. I believe there was plans for the last pay-per-view. Was that Double or Nothing? Yeah, there was There was plans for it to go down at Double or Nothing and to just blow it off and be done with it. I don't know what happened. I don't know what changed. Just didn't happen. Yeah, they just did They just did a bunch of tag matches with, with them. They never did uh, a singles match. I don't know if it was supposed to be Double or Nothing or, or Revolution because uh, they were both in the Battle Royal at, at Double or Nothing. Um, but yeah, this, this is what I mean of like, hey, we're just going to protect both guys and not do a singles match so nobody has to take the l here uh that's what i'm a little bit worried about with with hook and and jungle boy like just beat hook it's okay we've seen we've seen it time and time again the guys can take losses and bounce back and it'd be it'd be fine hook is also young in his career a year from now six months from now three months from now no one's remembering that hook Boss of Jungle Boy. And you can use these losses as storytelling as well. So I, I hope it's not just, hey, let's just do tag team matches and that's where we're going with this. Just, just beat them. It'll be, it'll be all right. I like the idea that Hook is not, um, he's not prepared for this, right? He's just, he's so new and he's so fresh to the business. Come on, you, you should have known when Jungle Boy said, I'm your best friend. That's like rule number one in wrestling. You have no friends. Right. Yeah, well, his father clearly didn't teach him all that well. This is this is lessons Tash should have imparted on him. Well, that's exactly it. That's the problem. That's why the guns do so well, because their father imparted all the best knowledge on them. So the point I'm trying to make is that if Hook takes this L, which I'm really hoping happens, uh, he learns from this. And we're able to go off to the races with Hook and define a character that's not just, you know, cool, good-looking dude with weird hair who has the FTW title. I want to see more out of Hook, more than just handsome dude. There's there's more to him. By the way, Hook hasn't had a singles match on television in over two months now. The last one was April, April 7th, against Ethan Page. And I think this can play into a story of, this man just ain't been wrestling singles matches. Jungle Boy might be taking L's to people, but he beat Christian Cage. He buried him, literally, in a singles match like he's he's been hard into this stuff hook just hasn't it's been a while for him jungle boy learned more lessons from his father on 90210 than hook did from his father in in wrestling so taking out beat hook and i like hook but he can lose so in my complete fog of a, of a morning uh i didn't mention our guest but our guest is here. So it's a big special guest. I know he's reacting backstage. He doesn't matter. It's fine. We don't even need to bring him in. It's fine. No, no, stay, stay, stay. Uh, <laughs> we, let's, we're going to shift focus for a minute. We'll come back to Forbidden Door stuff. And uh, I want to bring on someone who will be our live correspondent from, <laughs> from London. Maybe not. I'm just putting it on him now. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, from Mail Sports, Alex McCarthy is here. Hi, Alex McCarthy. You're muted. He's talking trash against me. Unmute your mic, Alex McCarthy. I've got kids, man. They're running around rapping. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I said Jeremy's got me on retainer for Money in the Bank. That's what. That's what I'm hearing. Live, basically. Out 
And, and Drew McIntyre news. Joel is giving you a terrible nickname that I refuse to acknowledge. I'm not going to say it. Uh, but yeah, Drew McIntyre and, and Money in the Bank. That's what you're here for, Alex McCarthy. Yes, you are our Drew McIntyre. Stop it. McIntyre. Oh. Yeah. See? Oh. Not approved. Not You can't use it anymore. The man himself doesn't improve it. So you can't use it, Joel. Sorry. Got shut That's down. Good. It's still funny. So it still gets no. used. To me, oh. it's still funny. We're still going to use it. Alex, I, I have a very important question right off the bat. We only ask the hard-hitting questions here on this mm. show. How come Al, uh, How come Michael Cole didn't mention you by name on SmackDown? He, he shouted out the, the outlet but didn't say Alex McCarthy. So I got beef with Michael Cole for not actually mentioning your name on the show. He's, af- he's afraid of me, man, isn't he? He's running. He's running. Will you from the punch him on Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. Michael Cole better watch out. He doesn't want none of that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean it's normally um, WWE kind of give you the heads up if that sort of thing happens, but I had no idea until people told me the next morning. So, halfway there, halfway job for Michael Cole. You can, you can call him out, call him out in the press conference on, on Saturday. Be like, Alex Barthy, no sport. Uh, you guys didn't acknowledge me. Um, last last say, Friday what? on SmackDown, can you please acknowledge me now? Tell, when ask question to Triple H, ask Triple H to acknowledge you full circle from Clash. Yeah, of the I, I was going to say I'll, I'll probably open <laughs> it with couldn't, couldn't go much worse than my last one, guys. Uh, you remember me? Um, I, I was at the WrestleMania press conference. I just didn't ask anything. I thought I can't be bothered. What you couldn't acknowledge the Tribal Chief again? Uh, it's funnily enough, he was loaded with questions and he was in a much better mood that time than he was in Cardiff. But you know, <laughs> there we go. How was the vibe out there heading into Money in the Bank? I know it's early, it's the week of, so uh, it, I'm sure it's going to be different come end of week, but uh, what are people looking forward to it? You know, here's a little scoop ski for you. I, I was speaking to Sean the other day, and um, you know, the infamous, uh, you know, like bus journos that uh, you know, the BT bus that was going around and stuff. They're, they're doing a bus themed media event again. Oh, get WWE, excited. Do we know, do we know who's on the bus? Think, WWE seems to think these are a hit. I don't know why, <laughs> but they do. Oh, um, you, mean, you mean the company that puts the, the old double decker buses on the stage at every single UK event thinks it's. And the red phone box, Joel. Don't forget it. That's right. um, yeah. Uh, did, did you say who's, who's on it, Joel? Yeah. Uh, do, we, do you know who's on it? Talent-wise, I think it's the yeah. Prophets and Bianca, I think. Don't know yet. You know how these weeks go. Could get there and it'll be like super crazy. Uh, no, I don't know. Um, it. I know that we've got, obviously, they're doing legs of the UK tour, as it were, like midweek. So I know Sheffield has somewhere. And so, like, I know Becky and Seth are doing a bit of a media tour um, together in unison. I think they're hitting all the big hitters like Good Morning Britain, which is not a great show. Um, <laughs> but they're also going to talk sport, my old stomping ground, um, Virgin, stuff like that. And yeah, I'm hoping to speak to a few. I'm hoping to speak to Becky on Wednesday and maybe <clears throat> Dom and Rhea on Thursday. And then everyone, well, this, the, uh, the SmackDown talent, anyway, will be there on Friday for the media. The Raw talent don't get into the Saturday, I don't think. But yeah, it's uh, it is coming up 
you know, like, it's kind of that, that now that a forbidden door and all that stuff's out of the way, we can kind of, you know, look at money in the bank. And it's a good summer for the UK, man. When you think all in, we'll bookend it as well. So I'm hoping this week kicks off the vibe right. Um, two shows I'm looking for. I always look forward to getting down at the O2 to be fair. The atmosphere is really good. Are, are we going to see? Pillows? Sorry, are you going to steal one of the pillows from the bus? From the bus? No. Yeah. I have, yeah, I have stolen a pillow from, uh, so WWE like to put on these, uh, what's the best way to describe them? They're not VIP events, but they have like a free drinks thing, like an hour beforehand for like, it's basically media and whoever got comp tickets, right? And they had Raw and SmackDown pillows there before. I am not ashamed to say a SmackDown pillow got robbed in about <laughs> 2018 and my daughter did not give a shit. I thought I was coming home. <laughs> With an absolute <laughs> look what daddy did. no, she did not care. Did not care. <laughs> Wished it all. Wished it all. She didn't even know. There you go. These kids don't care about this, that stuff. You give them stuff it's like, oh thanks. And then they're back to their, their video games and their their way more important stuff than, than wrestling than wrestling novelties out there. <laughs> let's uh, let's ask the real important question here. Oh, it's Marthy. Drew McIntyre. We seeing him on Saturday. Is he going to be uh, on the bus? Are they going to put him and Seamus together on the bus and they'll do a bang? Mate, bus? That, I mean, that would sell itself, would it not? Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, the, the last time I spoke to him, which was God, I don't know, like last week or the week before, uh, he, he he was hoping to be here. Like he'd already, I know that he'd already arranged to see family and stuff like, when he thought he was coming. Um, so not sure. I mean, I sincerely doubt he's wrestling, but he might be coming over. He, he, you know, you've seen he's still doing charity stuff, and I know they have like Special Olympic stuff, and I know WWE does still have stuff going on this week. I, I need to get the itinerary to hand, but I didn't see him on it for the charity events that they're doing, so I'll have to ask him. Um, but yeah. Uh, State of play is pretty much the same, I think. But I know he was hoping to come over, and he was a bit gutted when it looked like he wasn't. Well, when you find out when he messages you of, hey, I'm going to be when when Mustafa Ali, I guess he's not, when Ricochet is at the top of the money in the bank and my music hits, and then he has to freeze for five minutes as I saunter down to the ring. (laughs) When he sends you this message, I assume he'll send you that on like Wednesday or something. Please DM me that scoop so I can pre-write that story. I will forward that scoop. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so that's a Wednesday plan. That's a that's a very in advance plan, especially with the yeah, way in WWE world. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> that's that, that's a like a set in stone. We are doing this. He is the guy plan. So <laughs> congratulations to Drew Brock Lesnar McIntyre. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my dog's going crazy. Will you stop? I don't know if you can hear him. Can you hear him barking away? Jesus Christ. <laughs> was a dog or a kid. They, they all sound he's the same. A dog. He's, a, he's, a, he's obsessed with shadows. I don't know if anyone's ever gone through this, but he, he literally, <laughs> I posted it on my Instagram the other day. He literally just backs up and he goes, <laughs> he like jumps at it. It's like Gian Cena coming off the top rope. He's, he's an idiot. He's an idiot. <laughs> he is. He's a real idiot. Look. You blithering idiot. Oh, God. Oh, oh he loves you so much. Oh. oh I feel bad. But, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Dog content. I'm here for it. Yeah, Look how wholesome this is. All right. Get back to your shadows. <laughs> I was enjoying them. 
Two for the price of one. All right, let, let's talk about Bloodline Civil War. Alex, I know you're fired up about this. Mm. We're going to see Roman Reigns and Solus Koa against the Ustos. One, are you surprised that the match, to me, it seems like it's happening a little soon. I certainly didn't expect this to be on Money in the Bank. And two, what are your expectations for this, besides so, cinema? Yeah, I mean, I mean you, you touched on my initial thoughts right there and then. It's like, when I actually look at the card... Um, England typically down the years, I know we had Clash at the Castle last year, but I would say even this match supersedes anything that was on that card. And historically, we have had just like glorified house shows, if you're talking like insurrections, rebellions, things of that nature. Um, this is a match that you would typically, you should see on a big four pay-per-view. And I know Money in the Bank's kind of the magic number five to most people, but still I'm very surprised we're getting something of this magnitude because we just typically don't. It's probably indicative of the way WWE have kind of constructed their pay-per-view plans for the past year. Obviously, we've spoken at length about how it's benefited them not just doing, you know, whatever pay-per-view around America. They've, you know, we've had Puerto Rico, we've had Toronto, and obviously we get in London here, and it seems that that adds an extra dimension to to whatever the event is. Um, you know, and this time really. All of Clash of the Castle was predicated on Drew and Roman, wasn't it? And it, you know, they've got homecoming for Drew. It's a different fucking country. But um, at least this time, Pete Dunn is kind of in the money in the bank and he is the the hometown hero. He's only two hours on the road, Birmingham. It's not, you know, it's not exactly Scotland to Wales. Um, so you've got that. And I think it would have been fine if we just had the two money in the bank matches and, you know, Whatever you know, the rest of the card looks pretty good to me, and then to add the Usos, Roman, and Solo onto it, it's like woof. Uh, I do agree with Jeremy though. I assume that this is, this is the next major beat before whatever they plan for SummerSlam. But presumably, Roman will defend his title at SummerSlam, right? Like, kind of missing out on the title defenses at the moment, which um, you know, WWE will just yeah, we'll do what we want for a while. So. Not too sure where they go from here in terms of cut it out, man. In terms of uh, you know, like, like presumably the Usos don't win. I mean, that was just kind of just that's just open and shut case, then, right? It's like where do you go? Um, there's no gold on the line or anything, so it's just like probably the long term goal or gain. And I did allude to this. At WrestleMania, I, I would not be surprised if the end story is Solo Sokoa. Like, he slowly turns and he becomes the one who faces Roman and eventually dethrones him. Is that the right thing to do? I don't know. But I would not rule out that that's where they're going with this, since really, when you think about the Bloodline story, a lot of it has been lifting up the Bloodline. Look at where the Usos are now, particularly Jay Uso and Solo having emerged. He's only been around since Clash at the Castle and he already feels like a top tier. You know, maybe not the top bracket, but he's certainly in that one below. He's main event in shows. I think if, uh, you know, Cody thought it was his story, <laughs> but it might be a Samoan story, uh, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. So I think that will be the ongoing dynamic in this story, though, right? Like, it's the Usos against their family, but Solo really is their brother, right? So it's like they, they need to dive into that a bit more as time goes on. And eventually... Maybe they turn him. 
Or maybe they all turn on Roman and Roman's the babyface. I, I don't know how that works out, but Roman's due a babyface run. They could make Solo. Pieces are there somewhere. I've been banging this drum since he said it at WrestleMania, and I've said it on this show a hundred times. Roman said that this story is about his family. The mm. story is not about somebody else. It ends when he elevates his family, and he's he said it flat out. So, yeah, that everyone was so fixated on the bottom of the third reference and Triple H saying the story doesn't end that they completely glossed over Roman essentially telling you that this story isn't about others. It's about his family. It's about the five. And you know what's funny there is that we all thought, and I say we all, me, that The Rock, right, was the one to make the story for Roman. When in actual fact, Roman's kind of showing he didn't need The Rock to do anything, and he's the one making the story for everyone else. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting play. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Uh, am I Am I wrong to say that there's a TV deal coming up in the UK as well with WWE and there's some rights negotiations? I don't know. I don't. I mean, the BT Sport themselves, and I'm not furiously googling as you say that to me. Um, oh, that's all right. I wasn't uh, going to put you on the spot. But TV uh, BT are changing. I don't know if you've seen this. Like you know, uh, Warner Brothers grabbed them, so they're changing their name to TNT Sport. Um, and I do believe at the end of this year is the. WWE TV rights, end of 2023. Um, and I think that was a four-year deal. In, in You know, the thing is, when BT picked up WWE, I, again, I, I know, I realize I'm going to say some networks and stuff here that you're probably not familiar with in the UK, but really, there's Sky <laughs> and there's BT. That's pretty much it. I know America has a grander landscape than us, but um, in terms of potential homes for WWE, it's like terrestrial television, which is like the BBC... Uh, which which it wouldn't ever be. ITV, um, Channel 5 had some highlights for a while, and Channel 4 had some pay-per-views back in the day. Like, that's what we call, tr- like, non-cable terrestrial TV, just five channels, basically. Um, so BT kind of picked it up because Sky Sports had had enough. They had been the long-standing partner for, like, 30 years, and they just had no interest in paying a premium for it. So... I don't think BT even really had to bid hard to get the WWE rights. But the interesting thing now is BT have been, uh, they obviously housed NXT UK for, for a while, which, you know, at their expense. Um, and they have been a really supportive partner of WWE in that regard. But now that there's new ownership, there are murmurs of like, hmm, are they as invested? And I know there are some people on the WWE side of things who, uh, yeah, and I'm talking this in like production and social media or whatever, that are looking for other, other opportunities and stuff. So that could be an indicator. Not sure how fixed on wrestling the new landlords are for BT. Yeah, the reason the reason I brought it up is because, uh, like you said, Sky was Sky was the, the player back in the day. They were airing most of the shows. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know why I have this information in my brain. But uh, at one point, the, Sky, the, the news was that Sky was upset with WWE not putting a serious uh, amount of time into UK programming when it came to. You mentioned it. Like There hasn't been a legitimate pay-per-view in the UK since, uh, what was it, Insurrection. And that was 2002. So we're talking you know, over 20 years ago. Uh, so 
I wouldn't be surprised if part of this was part of their uh, their rights negotiation play. They did the same thing in Canada, by the way. That was part of the the elimination chamber deal with Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns. Was the the deal with uh, with Roger Sportsnet is starting to come to the to the last few years of it. So they want to figure out what the deal looks like. But also, similarly to how it is in the UK. In Canada, there's only really two major sports outlets, and one is owned by Bell, which is one side, and the other one is owned by Rogers, which is literally the only other side. So we are, uh, and by the way, Bell carries AEW programming, so the odds of one keeping both are very slim. Um, but it, it's just it's on my radar, and that's something I was thinking about because it is a big event that's coming to the UK, and it's uh, an opportunity for for WWE to say, "Hey, look at us! We actually give a yeah. shit about you guys again." I mean, there's no doubt they've been dialing up. You know, we, we, we've had a good couple of years out of WWE, um, post-pandemic sort of world. But, um, you know, I mean, Sky, as far as I was concerned, were like kind of done with wrestling when they let go of WWE. Because even when the original AEW rights deals were coming around, nobody really thought that Sky Sports were even in the running for that. Um, but in the sort of three or four years since then, BT Sport have taken them over in so many ways. Like BT Sport has UFC, you know, um, Eddie Hearn, then their boxing left Sky Sport. So Sky doesn't have the monopoly it had at that point. And also like BT has all the Champions League football and stuff. So, um, Sky might be keen to claw something back. Like really, they've only got the NBA and, and the Premier League football, really. Which they kind of split with BT, so uh, it could be a different dynamic. But you know, the last time I heard from people at Sky Sports, it was like wrestling wasn't really on their to-do list. Alex, who do you have? Last one for you. Who do you have in the Money in the Bank matches, winning men's and women's? I, I feel like this is a you know an ongoing conversation with the men, but it probably should be LA Knight, and it probably will be Logan Paul. I, I mean, I I can see why WWE would do Logan Paul, right? Like him carrying around the briefcase and doing a stupid podcast with the brief. You know, like I, I can I can see from there, like, hey, look at our massive belt with our massive logo on it, mind. Why giving it to Logan Paul would be a good decision. Uh, and to be, and frankly, he's, he's usurped all of our expectations, hasn't he? We can, we can all freely admit, like, um, could be interesting, I guess. But... To me, LA Knight is in one of those rare spaces where he's organically over, which doesn't happen too often, as we all know, where the crowd are actually asking for it. And sometimes you should just go ahead and do it, right? Um, he seems the most viable option to me. I mean, I, I, I fucking love Pete Dunn, but, you know, he's a bit part player in his own stable at the moment. I can't see him being Mr. Money in the Bank um, as much as the crowd will be behind it. Shinsuke... Zero steam. Uh, Santos Escobar, zero steam. Uh, these are all good people that I want to watch, Ricochet included. But it's like, okay, realistically, who's going to do something that's going to be of interest with the briefcase? Jesus. Um, I, I think LA Knight really is the pick, but I wouldn't be surprised, given how WWE handled LA Knight thus far. I mean, a, a clean win over Rey Mysterio was very shocking last week to me. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they just if they just went with Logan Paul. They'd probably see a higher upside. And the fact that LA Knights told us that there were some reservations about his age and Vince is meddling in everything right now. I don't know. But then, you know, 
the reactions might the reactions might be his saviour. Who knows? Who knows? But it's not a slam dunk by any stretch of the imagination. They don't care about reactions. How about the women? There you go. Um, <laughs> but sorry, you, you asked about the other one uh, for the women. I mean, Becky's the the biggest star by, you know, obviously, uh, and and Trish, I guess. But uh, they've got their own little story to fuck each other up. They don't need the briefcase, maybe, right? Uh, that's that's what I'm thinking there. Um, Bailey can't catch a break for anyone's money these days, and I mean, I'd like to see EO get it personally. I think that's the next gateway star to the main event that would actually make sense. You've got Oscar as a champion as well. Possibly don't need the briefcase to get to Oscar, but still, it gets a legitimate way there. And then you've got the infighting with Bailey of, you know, Bailey really wanted it and maybe you have a feud that way because, let's be honest, damage control. They have not been booked great. Um, so, how often, how long do you keep that going with Dakota Kai injured? Um, EO would be my pick, but then would I be surprised if WWE parlayed it into the Becky and Trish story? No, no, I wouldn't. But what if Trish Stratus wins the title or wins the wins the Money in the Bank? Well, this is what I'm saying. She could. I know. Story. What if? Um, I love Trish though. I wouldn't give a shit. I'd I'd back <laughs> it. <laughs> Uh, Alex, thank you for your time today. Anything else you want to discuss? Money in the bank? Anything? Any comment? Headline? You want a hot take? You want to throw out there? Uh, less than a week before Money in the Bank. Oh, I don't know if this is a hot take, but I'll I will say I think this is you know arguably on paper the best pay per view the UK have ever had from WWE. Right when you look at the Bloodline match, which I mean, all right, I'm not going to compare it against. Brett and Bulldog. But like, you know, in terms of like star power and uh, and you've been a big time feel, definitely up there. I think Cody and Dominic's gonna be more fun than people anticipate. Um I'm I'm here for that. It's I don't know, man. I I, I just feel like having the the two ladder matches and Seth super over right now, like it's it's got all the ingredients for a super fun pay per view, which again, Clash of the Castle was was good. It was like the next step but maybe this could be something even further from that. And then on SmackDown, they've kind of loaded that up too when you've got, you know, Charlotte's match. Um, it, it's, it's like a festival weekend for, for us, which we haven't had for a while. Because, you know, remember, they normally tape in America and then come over here. But now it feels like uh, even even a small thing like that, right, having SmackDown live here is, uh, is a bit more like, hey, the UK is important, maybe. So we'll see. But otherwise, man, I'll, uh, I'll just be keeping you guys up to date with my uh, my movement this week. I understand I'll be running into the uh, Mr. Fightful himself, Sean Rostap, at many, many occasions. You won't, you... Need, you won't need my scoop, Jeremy. You won't even need no, it. No, no. I, I talk to Sean too much. I'm tired of talking to him. Will you share eggs with him, though? Will you, will you take him to the best egg egg restaurant in the UK? Is there a joke here? Like, does he not like eggs? <laughs> no, he comes on our show every day and just like shows off his eggs. All this man eats every morning is eggs. So and you've got to treat him to the best protein. egg spot in town. Big omelet guy. Protein's yeah. important. Oh, I'm a ham and cheese omelet guy. Egg slot is great. Look, listen, I know you've got them in America, but still, I'll show him. I'll show him. 
All right, there we go. That's that's the real scoop we need. How what Sean Rossap feels about the eggs in in the UK. Alex, let everybody know where they can find you at this week and and all all time. <laughs> in uh, Alex McCarthy eighty eight on Twitter. Uh, obviously, I'll be dropping all of my things as I do them this week on there and all coverage from the event. So feel free to stop by and catch me there. And otherwise, you'll find all interviews that I do on Inside the Ropes video form. Uh, we also have a podcast with myself and Kenny called Break It Down, where you'll find audio, like Seth, for instance, didn't have videos audio, so if you want that, you have to go there. Uh, and all the written pieces will be on Daily Mail, forward slash WWE. We're so dated, we haven't even called it wrestling yet. Um, I'm working on it, guys, trust me. <laughs> it's okay, the ESPN article from CM Punk also went up on the WWE side once upon a time, yeah. so I get it. <laughs> it happens, it happens, man. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Alex McCarthy. Cheers, guys. Always a pleasure. Cheers. Happy early birthday to the little one as well for for Alex McCarthy. He is uh, celebrating a birthday. Uh, I won't won't say when, but it's an early birthday for for the little one, not the dog. Children. Uh, it's always good to hear from Drew McIntyre. Stop it. He doesn't approve. If the person you give the nickname to doesn't approve you you can't do it what are you Joel? talking about remember when remember when wwe saddled keith lee with the bearcat and at first he was like guys it's cool and then afterwards he left wwe and he's like it wasn't cool maybe this was what we're doing maybe he really needs this to propel himself forward in this company no he doesn't approve it he doesn't like it you can't force it upon him that that's nickname that's misconduct so- joel People, that's a crime. What am I going to do? Step down and then come back in a few months in a power coup and take over the company again? That's that's a crime, Joel. Stop it. Don't do that. Never. Uh, But seriously, thank you, Alex McCarthy, for joining us. It's it's an exciting uh, couple of months. It's an exciting summer for the UK, like he was talking about. You've got uh, Money in the Bank really does kick it off. And then All In, uh, as Alex said, bookends. Uh, a very exciting summer. And one thing that, that Tony Khan said in that, uh, that media scrum was that uh, I think he said that Fulham and Arsenal play each other the day before. And it's also his mom's birthday on the 26th. And then all in is the 27th. And then they go to Chicago. They finally officially announced that all out will be in Chicago along with, and I love this, by the way, they're going to tape dynamite and rampage at the now arena outside where, where all in started and where all out has been the last couple of years. And then of course, collision on the Saturday and all out comes to the United center this year. And I could just see the conversations where the young bucks told Tony, we'll take the now arena. That's our place. That's our home. And then punk is like, yeah, I'll fill the big one. Sure. That's cool. And like it's the funny thing is like on both sides, it, they're, they're just becoming, um, and, and I, I mean this very jokingly, um, they become nostalgia acts of each other. Punk being, you know, the, the elder statesman wrestler who's been around for a long time. Uh, and you've got the bucks who want to keep with the nostalgia of working in the now arena. So, uh, I had a good chuckle over that, but really, um, really looking forward to Chicago for the, for them. Uh, but first we got to get through. A whole plethora of summer activities for AEW. It's going to be good. It's a big summer. And I mean, it, it really did start this past weekend in Canada, specifically with, with Forbidden Door. Let's let's talk about CM Punk. So yeah, 
he got cheered obviously in Chicago last week. He's, he's not a dynamite guy. He's not even supposed to be here. He's a collision guy. We knew that was going to happen in Chicago. We've discussed this many times of like, he's, he's going to get the Brett reactions cheered in Chicago, probably kind of mixture everywhere else. So collision comes around in Toronto. And this was the first time we'd seen him outside of Chicago since before all outs, because all out was in Chicago. The the dynamite was in Chicago. Like, so since before all out and he got the mixed reaction and on television, it leaned more towards booze. I know people in the building said it was still 50, 50 and everything. Look, I don't, I don't care how you feel about CM Punk. If, if you like him, if you dislike him, if you want to cheer him, if you want to boo him, whatever. I think the point is the man elicits some type of emotion. This this is what a lot of people talk about, right? It's like, oh, CM Punk so hated. Oh, CM Punk so loved. Yeah, you care. And, and John Cena mentions that this John Cena built his career off of this. So the, the John Cena sucks, but he's the baby face type of thing. Like they care when that music hits, when he comes to the ring and he is great at playing into it. He's always been great at like, crowd interaction and things like that and controlling the crowd and understanding all of that. And he was fantastic on collision. I loved what he did on like the smiles and just feeding into it, doing the Hogan stuff, which he also did uh, at forbidden door as well. Like he knows what he's doing and whether you dislike him, whether, whether you like him, you gotta give him his credit for just getting some type of reaction where, Guys, just nobody gets reactions like that. They they might get big pops. They might get big boos and everything. But when you combine it, there are very few wrestlers who just elicit that big of a reaction, whether it's a cheer or a boo. So I can tell you live in the arena that um, it fluctuated. (laughs) The the response did fluctuate. Uh, I talked about this with Kate last night because we had a conversation offline about this too on our way actually to the shows where there was the tweet from Brian Alvarez that said it was 80-20 booze for punk. And we kind of talked about, like, again, Kate has a different experience than I do. Even though we're sitting next to each other, we're going to hear things differently. We're going to process things differently. And also, we'll take that temperature at different points in the match or in the night. And to me, when I heard that comment from Brian or heard that tweet from Brian, I said, that was the moment punk stepped out in front of the crowd. That's when it was 80-20. Yeah. And, and then it, it did shift, and it shifted around. And again, I it was I, – I really enjoyed it. For one minute, or for two nights really, I was able to step outside of everything you and I have talked about on this show, on other shows, for the last year plus about CM Punk and the Elite and the backstage drama and all that stuff – and I was able to sit back and really enjoy what I was watching on the screen and in front of me on, you know, in, in the playhouse, you know, of wrestling. And I, I really respected what we were getting out of this, out of the CM Punk. Uh, I love that the crowd was just super passionate and super into it. Dasha, before the match even happened throughout the night, Dasha was reading signs out from the crowd. She very, I don't know if this was her call or if maybe she just didn't want to call attention until later on. 
she didn't mention a CM Punk sign until literally before the main event. And she called out someone's sign that said, I'm here to see CM Punk. And the crowd booed vociferously. It was really loud. And I was... I, I wasn't surprised. I was surprised at how loud the boos were. I thought it would be a closer to maybe 50, 50, 60, 40. No, that was, again, the start of 80, 20 in terms of, you know, the crowd reaction. And, and then, like I said, it changed throughout the night, but that was, uh, that was manipulation at that point. That was crowd manipulation. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what you do in wrestling. You, you prey on the emotion of your viewer. You tell that story. And like you said, the, the Hogan stuff, got people feeling a certain way. The double bicep when he's doing a pin, the cocky pin, doing push-ups outside in the crowd. He knew what he was, Punk knew what he was doing. He knew what he was walking into. And for me, the larger story, when you talk about what's going to happen next, is you've had this Owen tournament. And the match with Kojima was a whole other can of worms where the reaction, you, you, you thought Collision was loud. Well, then the next night, you had a much larger house who very much felt the similar way that they did. And it wasn't until the end of the match when Punk won and picked up Kojima and bowed to him. Didn't didn't Larry at him and cement some heel turn. He bowed to him and left. And the crowd said, oh, shit, that's right. He's good. Like, oh, he's, he's actually like he's respectful. Well, how do we feel now? It confused people. And that was good. Um, but what do I see down the pike is... It's Starks and Punk in the final. Yeah. And it's it's Starks being really, like, being turned on by, being turned on. Uh, he's, it's CM Punk turning on Ricky Starks. There's no other way to put it. A heel CM Punk cements his, his badness and and either beats Starks or Starks finds a way to, to survive. And then Punk eventually, like, beats up Starks after Starks wins the, the Owen. I don't know what it is, but this all feels to me like we're going that route and putting Starks with Punk and FTR on Saturday to me really just cemented that case. That's where I, when the bracket was announced that that's what I saw kind of playing out is when you look at the two sides of the bracket, it seemed like, okay, Punk Joe and in the semis Punk wins moves on Starks Hobbs in the semis history there Starks wins moves on to the final. So you get Starks, and punk and it does become a thing of and i think ricky losing uh last night or uh, at collision um kind of plays into this as well here's here's how i let me put on my my tony khan cap and everything you have here. to say you have to speak like him now i do that a lot i, I know no, because like i i'm i'm booking i'm telling you the finish before it happens tony would never do that you're right uh you're right. so I, i'll do this afterwards I'd have Starks beat Punk in the finals. Um, maybe a little bias on my part, but I'd have Starks beat Punk in the finals because I, I think Starks should kind of, or not Starks, uh, Punk should be just kind of dismissive of of Ricky because he took that L uh, at Collision. Starks is obviously going to win the, the next two matches, but Punk just kind of sees Starks like, yeah, he's, he's good. I like him and everything, but like just the subtle dismissiveness. With, with everything but then starks gets the win in the finals and then punk does the oh great job type of thing and then he turns on him on there and then you go wherever you're gonna go with, with cm punk from there you know does he get his win back over over ricky maybe does that help ricky 
I would hope so. He still wins the tournament. He gets to work two matches with CM Punk. I, I think that helps Ricky overall. As always, it's the follow-up because did beating Chris Jericho help Ricky? Not really because the follow-up wasn't very good. So again, guys can take L's. You just got to have a plan for them after they take these L's or even guys can win feuds. You got to have a plan for them afterwards. If you just immediately shelf them, then what what good is it? So I hope that winning the Owen, even losing to Punk still helps Ricky because there's going to be enough of a follow-up there. That's what I would kind of do. I But here's also the thing. I don't know if you need to like, cement a CM Punk heel turn either. I think he can just be CM Punk. And this is what I always was looking forward to when Punk came back. There's a chaos with him that I'm not sure anybody else in wrestling really brings. And he he brings it because of what he says on screen. He brings it because of what he says off screen. There's just a chaos with him. And it's something that you just can't always tune away from. I mean, I think we we see numbers that show you can't tune away from this chaos that he brings. And I don't think he needs to be like, oh, I'm a babyface, I'm a heel. He did feuds with Kingston. He did feuds with Moxley. Like he was babyface and heel both sides of that stuff. And but he's just CM Punk. He's gonna get you a reaction. And I don't think it needs to be one way. Or the other. Just let him be CM Punk. The reaction's going to be the reaction. And he's certainly good enough. We saw it in Toronto. He's certainly good enough to play. Okay, hey, they're going to they're gonna boo me here? All right, I'll give him a little bit of... I'll give him a taste of the, the heel work type of thing. Oh, I'm in Chicago. Oh, maybe, you know, maybe they go to somewhere where th- they're fans of CM Punk. He gets the cheer. Okay, they're going to cheer me here. I'll give him, I'll give him a little bit of baby face work here. So I think he can just be CM Punk and he doesn't actually need to cement a babyface heel divide there. So I'm thinking to myself, and uh, I know I know it's so easy to laugh at AEW's going to Regina. I get it. It's it's funny. It was funny to us in fifth grade when we learned about the capitals of, of provinces and all that. Yes. But they were in Toronto. Toronto is exactly the crowd that you'd expect Toronto to be very plugged in, very engaged, and it's a pay-per-view crowd. I'm actually interested, not in Hamilton, because it's a 45-minute drive. People will be coming in, <laughs> although although if you look at ticket sales, maybe not. But the point being, Regina is one of those places where I'm legitimately interested in how they react to a guy like CM Punk, because they're not that plugged-in wrestling crowd. They're not a major metropolitan city in Canada. It's not Montreal. It's not Toronto. It's not Vancouver. They are just, they're, they're a smaller town that might just be more family and therefore more friendly to CM Punk. So that's really where my interest lies is how will those, those smaller markets that are getting TV and maybe aren't plugged in the same way that, that Toronto would be, uh, how, how are they going to react to CM Punk? Toronto's bizarro world, Joel. Shout out to RJ City for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> and also shout out to RJ City for wearing whatever that suit color was. Beige, tan. I don't know. What po- that was. Poutine. Wasn't that just a poutine color? Uh, no. If your gravy is that light, you're making bad gravy. Or your gra- or that's your cheese curd color, at which point you probably should check the expiry date. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. So, what else was on this card that was really interesting? Oh, you you mentioned you mentioned the uh, the, the Jericho never you know the Jericho world never ends and it never really helps anybody. Uh, Jericho is going to ruin Sting's career, is what you're saying? Oh, all right. Like they're going to wrestle on Wednesday. I'm going to talk. I'm going to reverse course, change course here. I got a hot take for you. Joel Pearl. Let's hear I'm afraid it. to tweet this on the, on the Twitter because people might get very mad at me. People love to just get mad at things on Twitter over nothing, over absolutely nothing. And people will probably tell me this is wrong, even though it's an opinion and it's, you know, how I feel about something. And it's my own objective or I guess subjective. I, those two words confuse me. I'm not good at this stuff. Objective it's my own opinion. Okay. Okay. It's my own opinion on things. It's not right or wrong. I enjoyed Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega one more than two. I liked their first match better. I'm not saying this match was bad. I'm not saying like it's the terrible match or anything. I preferred their first match to this one. I really liked their match last night. It, it was a it was a fantastic fantastic match but i just like the first one match better the the stuff i didn't like about this one it felt a little long at the end i didn't need the callus coming getting ejected coming back out type of thing either just keep them out there or eject them and figure out another way to do it they look the one winged angel kick out on one that was fantastic that got the biggest reaction of the night i feel like so like it's tough to be like that didn't work that wasn't for me because it got the reaction that that it needed to that ruled i could have lived with chopping off a, a little bit kind of before that still doing that and then going into the finish i didn't mind the the tiger driver stuff as well i know that was a big point of discussion of like ooh is this bump safe? Was it necessary? I think Daniel seemed to even mentioned, like, did it add to the match? I think it did actually add to the match. I understand why people, you know, especially nowadays, were very concerned about safety and things like that, as we should be. One, obviously, Omega was okay taking it. If that's a risk he's willing to take, cool. Danielson also mentioned, like, guy, Danielson fractured his forearm on an elbow. Like, he didn't have his elbow in, in the right spot. So the, he mentioned Cena like tearing his pec on a hip toss as he had injured on the most basic stuff. So if Kenny Omega is willing to take that tiger driver, fine, let him do it. I think it added to the match in the sense that Osprey couldn't put this man away after stabbing him with a screwdriver, hidden blade, Stormbreaker, one winged angel. It's like, what do I got to do to beat this? Oh, let me drop him on his head. This is what I got to do to beat this man. So I think it did add to the match in that sense. That didn't take me out of it or anything like that. Um, which a, a spot in the Danielson match did take me out of it. We'll, we can, we'll talk about that match here shortly. So that didn't take me out of it at all. I really liked the Osprey Kenny Omega match. I prefer the first match. I thought the intensity was a little bit different. Uh, Martin says, was it because it was in Tokyo Dome? I don't think so. I know that that's the joke. Everything's better in, in Tokyo Dome. I do think the atmosphere for that match was, it was clearly different. It was Kenny's big return to Japan, which made it like feel much more monumental. I felt just the heat was a little bit better in the first match. Um, and there was nothing wrong with the, the heat in this match. It just had a different atmosphere and different vibe. I thought the work 
was a little bit better in the first match. And I just preferred the first match. Again, the second match is great. I know people are calling it best match of all time, match of the year. And so look, if that's how you feel. Cool. If you, you enjoyed it more than me. Awesome. I'm not here to tell you what, what to like and dislike. I'm just telling you, I like their first match better. Someone who is here to tell you what you should or should not like is a super chat from Ryan Sullivan. He said, Jeremy, you are wrong and you should feel bad. <laughs> I also agreed. Some of it could have been cut. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Uh, you know what? I don't, I don't think it's such a hot take. Uh, first of all, like you said, wrestling is subjective. Um, and to me, the new Japan style of match main event match, uh, that was it. That was very much it. Where you start slow, you build, you build, you build, and then it's like spam finish, spam finish, whatever. Big, big spots to the finish. That's not the, the, there's nothing inherently wrong with it, but it's not everyone's style. It's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, I liked the crowd reactions to what we saw. And that's again, that's how I was approaching this match. That's how I, I, I had no dog in the fight. I, I was very well uh, tuned in to what I think the story is and should be, and that Will Ospreay should win and have the title, and de- deservedly so, so that we can do a third one in London in the UK. Which, again, in, in the presser, he they heavily hinted at it again, and you got a lot of time to tell that story and get to the third. Uh, so I, I saw what it was, and I didn't hate it. I loved how the crowd was reacting to it. Do I think that it could have been a little less at times? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, doing the Tiger Driver that late into so many kickouts did feel – you could tell it was a desperation move, which I liked. The, again, the storytelling was there and it worked. Um, but there was a lot of – again, I said it, spam finishes. Uh, they did the the reversals of the finishes. I liked that. Stuff like that always gets me – You know, what, there's good coordination there. I appreciate that, so I enjoy it. But yeah, I can understand why the Tokyo Dome match may have been more of your your dish, maybe because it was a little more traditional in a lot of ways. But also the new the uh, the, the match last night at Forbidden Door, uh, the way I liked it was like I said at the top of the show was that there was that added layer of storytelling. Yeah, a little sports entertainmenty, and yeah, I said also the referee, you know ejecting Don Callis and then Don Callis sauntering down and the referee just being like, you're not supposed to be here, but I'm the boys will be boys. Cause that's just how referees are in AEW. So that I was kind of like, that's dumb, but I'm not going to get nit- nitpicky over it because it ended up with exactly what it was, which was giving him, giving Will the, uh, the, the screwdriver so that he could use it. And just the, it was the facials from Will Ospreay when, when he used the screwdriver, when he looked at it after he used it, realized what he did, threw it away. He was just kind of like, it was a mix of like, oh shit, am I, am I sinking low or oh shit, I can't get caught with this. It was, it was both reactions at the same time, licking the blood off the bicep and everyone was chanting, you sick, you know what? And he just looked at, I love this. This was so perfect. He, he took the beat. He knew the hard camera was focused on him. And all he said was, yep. And then he went back to work. Again, those little things, those little acting things made this match that much more fun for me. But I, again, I don't think you're wrong in feeling like the first match was, was more entertaining for you. Um, but there is potentially a third coming. 
They're gonna have to find a ways. They're gonna have to find a way to, to hook us back in on a third. That's gonna be beyond what they just did the last two times. Thank you for telling me my feelings are not wrong, Joel Pearl. Thank you for validating my feelings. You're, that- well, if you're if you're Ryan Sullivan <laughs> in the chat, you're wrong. <laughs> Everything. About- <laughs> Listen, uh, you 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 put it out there. I wanted to make sure that you this this therapy session is brought. Yes, to you. I was going to say this therapy. Make sure make sure your your feelings get validated in in therapy. There's a famous, uh, maybe infamous, uh, Tito Ortiz after he the first affliction show. I use this all the time in my my buddy Samer. The first affliction show. He does the post fight interviews and he gets in the ring and he's Tito Ortiz. Not great with words. If anybody has watched any of his interviews, he goes, "Let me tell you how you're feeling." <laughs> And it's just a hilarious line when you saw him, this fighter who just like knocked out some dude, whatever, like, let me tell you how you're feeling. And of course, he's trying to ask, like, how are you feeling? But we use that line all the time. So, Joel, let me tell you how you're feeling about this match and why you're wrong about it when it's the Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega. And I prefer the first match. That's all. Nothing, nothing bad about, nothing bad to say about the second match or any nitpicky stuff. I just checked, by the way, and I, I guess I'm not alone. Uh, because uh, cage match is not the end all be all or anything, but uh, people people enjoy it. I know that the ratings are not fully the the vote difference is heavily heavy right now, but a nine point six for the match last night, and then a nine point seven for the the Tokyo nine point seven eight to be fully correct out there for the Tokyo Dome match, uh, and one thousand votes for the Tokyo Dome match, only three hundred for for the match last night. Again, this is not. It's not the end all be all on anything, but I think a lot of people were reactionary last night of like, this is the greatest match. I think that's in our thumbnail on the, the fightful post show. It's like greatest match of all time. It's Will Ospreay and, and Kenny Omega. And I get it. I get people want to do the reactionary stuff. Um, yeah, it just, it was good. It was very good. It was great. I just saw it there. It's, yeah, the thumbnail is Will with the uh, the title over his, his waist on the ground. Like it's the top yeah. shot down. Is this best match ever? Question mark three. Times. Yeah. <laughs> because I have the best match to me. It's I have the best match they've ever between them, much less ever. We got to. I mean, listen, we got to. We got to sell the shit. I get it. We got to sell our products. We got to start doing uh, you know baity thumbnails like this, Joel. Instead of misspelling words on our thumbnail, I give you a break for that. I'm sorry. I, I hate when people nitpick me over that in articles. So I apologize for doing it's, that to you. Honestly, like I, I dislike when I make those mistakes, but I am also very well aware of my, my current status as a human. If you, if you look at like, so I'm, I'm going to do this for one second. Um, look in his eyes. Yeah. Like, hold on. Can I, I got what do you up. see? Like, I need a person you to who's bag. been lacking sleep. Yeah, I need you to see the bags currently under <laughs> my eyes in the dark circles to understand that yes, I am uh, I am a little over today. Um, it's okay, but yeah, that that was. I like that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, That's for the shorts. We got to whoever does our shorts has to do that. Um, Omega versus Osprey two most overrated match of all time. Yeah, exactly. Over- <laughs> Did Osprey and Omega two suck? <laughs> That's how you get them. That's how you bait them real good. I, I was trying so hard in that press conference to get something 
out of as many people as I could. Um, okay. Do you want to talk about Daniels and Okada? And then yeah, yeah. Let's, let's talk about Daniels and Okada, and then let's talk about the press conference because I do have questions for you about sure. about the press conference. I will um, very happily talk about that experience too. Um, obviously, so okay. Uh, I've said I've, I've mentioned this on other shows. I uh, my past work was in music and playing with cover bands and and party bands and stuff like that. Uh, I have played the final countdown more times than I would like to admit. The second I heard, I was like, oh, my God, they paid for it. And Kate just looks at me like, what? <laughs> and then it kicks in with the, the synth line, and everyone lost it. And rightfully so. I mean, that was that was a moment. And, and I'll, we'll talk about the question I asked Tony about it because uh, I, I do like a lot of what he said. I'm glad that he gave me an answer that didn't suck about it. But um, – <laughs> compared to other questions but yeah he they they paid for it they they clearly uh made the deal and final countdown is what brian came out to and he came out looking good he looked excited he looked happy and he said so much in the in the interview uh, in the in the presser and everything if he was in a bad mood earlier like he said he was that was washed away with the music and he was just I, you could just tell he was excited for this. And that's such a wholesome spot to be in for him. Uh, and then Okada comes out, another big, big ovation. Um, it, it's it's interesting to me that he that, that Kazuchika Okada is so popular with these crowds. It's not a knock on New Japan. It's just, it's, New Japan is not that company right it's not wwe it's not aw you don't see kazuchika okada that often stateside so when it happens uh i guess it is such a big deal but just to see the reaction that he got um that that certainly proves that he is a draw and that he does deserve to be the the guy in new japan and potentially elsewhere it helps that he's also you know the the right look the right fit and a very talented athlete uh so the match itself was it was good. It got great. And then Brian came out in a sling in the press conference and I kind of put two and two together and said, oh, that's what happened. Uh, so things clearly had to change. And of course, uh, shout out to uh, John Pollock, who, who flat out asked Brian when, <laughs> when they were about to shoo him off. And Tony was like, no, any more questions? And Pollock was just like, yeah, what changed after you got <laughs> injured? And Brian, and Brian, I loved it. He was like, uh, you're asking a magician to reveal his secrets, and I'm a magician. So here are my secrets, and everyone loved <laughs> it. The thought was great. But, uh, but clearly, something had to change in the match. Uh, it happened early enough that something happened. And you do a tap-out finish, uh, it can be 50-50, the reaction. It can either fall flat, and people are very confused, or you can get the reaction that they got last night, which was, oh my god, he tapped out Okada. When was, and, and it gets your brain thinking, when was the last time that happened? And Tony mentioned it, you know, it was the G1 2015, it was Shinsuke Nakamura, and that was, you know, so many years ago. Uh, and that's a big thing to, to harp on if you're a hardcore wrestling fan and you, and you know these things. But um, it didn't, the, the finish, the, again, a very classic New Japan style match where it starts a little slow, but they ramped up quickly. They, they kind of, I think they did more ebb and flow which actually is, is probably the way I would put it uh, versus Kenny and will, where it was mostly a, a slow start to build to where they got to, uh, which again, I, I do appreciate when they change it up. So 
end of the match worked for me um, because I knew the the efficiency of that. But yeah, it was it was really good. And then Brian, you know, there was a post match promo. We'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, you were watching at home. What do you think of this whole thing? I think the match will play better to me on replay. It's not that I didn't enjoy the match live because I did. I was very much. It's it's my favorite wrestler of all time, Brian Danielson. In my opinion, the greatest wrestler of all time against Okada, who a lot of people believe it, for them is the greatest wrestler of all time. Not a match of this magnitude always tough to like live to those expectations um and they had to follow that did that out or did you cut out it was you but it's coming back slowly it was a very it was short picking thing oh all right okay am i am i here am i robot nope you're good all right so when you have a match of this magnitude it's tough to live up to to the expectations right like everyone just assumes this is about to be the greatest match of all time. And when you're following a match like Osprey and Omega, you got to just go a different style. Cause that was just 40 minutes of just kind of high pace, high intensity kind of stuff. And it's not that these guys can't do it, but you could tell this match didn't start to like 1130. So you knew that like, it was gonna, it, it was probably going to build a little bit. And it did. It, it, they worked it to try to build it to a crescendo and everything. Um, it was obviously a well-worked match. The the actual execution of stuff, not good or not, not bad at all. Uh, everything was, was technically sound, things like that. The seizure spot took me out of it a little bit. And it seemed like it took the crowd out of it a little bit too. Um, you know, when I talk about Kenny Omega and taking the Tiger drivers, like, okay, does it work? for the match purpose. And I think for that match, it did. Did the seizure spot work for the match purpose? I don't think it really did because I don't quite know what it added. Like, did it, did Danielson get more sympathy because of it? Like the crowd's always worried about Brian Danielson anyway, because they just love Brian Danielson. He doesn't need to do all of that to, to get more, especially when Okada is just like, Ah, screw it. Like, we're just going to kick these guys out of here. I don't care if he's got a seizure. Like, I just don't think it was necessary for this match. I thought they, they just sort of misread things with that spot. And, you know, maybe the, the forearm, the, the, the injury, which it was tough to tell live. Um, Danielson was clearly favoring the arm, right? Like you could obviously tell that, but Danielson's also just a great friggin' worker and you're like oh, okay is he working the injury angle here but it was so much in favor that's like yeah something's probably wrong and when i knew something was wrong not only in that like he's probably injured and two of like oh even danielson knows we gotta shift the crowd and he mentioned this in in the the press conference by the way but watching live i get I tell the yes chant that felt very Danielson knowing, oh, this crowd isn't fully with us right now. They're not with us the way I'd hope they were with us. Let me do this, get them up. And again, he mentioned this in the press conference. So that's when I could tell as well. Like, yeah, he knows. He knows something's up here. And they did it, and it was fine. The crowd kind of came up for it. Um, the finish, it did 
submission finishes, like you said, can be tricky in that it's either going to, the crowd's going to be confused of like, oh, that wait, that's the finish, or it's going to be the shock. And I think it was more of the shock here. It's tough with submission finishes because we all expect just much like Osprey and Omega, the near falls is where people bite, right? Like that's where, that's where everybody bites. Well, oh, I can't believe he kicked out. There's not a whole lot of like near submission finishes. You can get a guy close to the ropes, which Okada was. And then like you see the tab and it's like, wait a second. There's not, there's not a lot of biting on like submission finishes, especially when they are like, they're unexpected for a reason, especially Okada doesn't tap out. Man hasn't tapped out in nearly a decade until last night. So it, it can be tough to like sell the crowd on that. And I, it was tough to sell that crowd on that. Um, I thought it was a great finish though. I, I tapping out Okada. That was definitely, I had the more shock than like, wait, that was it. That's the finish. I was more like, Oh, he tapped Okada. Like what? Um, like that, that's where I like that. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the match a lot. I do think it'll, it'll hit a little bit better if I, when I watch it on replay, because in the moment it was still great. And the expectation is so high on something like that, that it could just be tough to really, really live up to that. And I still did the Caesar spot. Look, man, if it was for you, if like that, that worked for you, cool. Just it didn't work for me. And I, based on crowd reaction, I could be wrong. Just, this is just what I was watching. And Joel, you were, you were there. You can tell me like, Based on crowd reaction, that's where it seemed to lose some people because it there was there was some real concern from fans, but then Okada just continued on. Like, okay, it's like, oh well, all right, he's fine, things are fine. They're just wrestling again. Was was this necessary? Did this add to the match? And for me, it didn't add to the match for me. So. Uh, I I have a suspicion. And by the way, Kyler, our social media manager, sent me a message during the match, uh, and I was so out of it because I was exhausted. It was that was the one thing that made this match kind of a slog for me. And I think you're right. On rewatch, this match will probably hit differently. Uh, live in the arena, I was like, I told Kate, I'm like, I'm a little down right now. Like, I need I need some sugar, some caffeine, something. Because again, we had been up and at it since 7 a.m. and like I'm trying to keep up and do the thing. Um, but Kyler messages me and says, what do you think of the, the convulsion spot? And I'm thinking to myself, convulsion spot? And then I had to remember that, that they did that. My original feeling was that Brian was using that as an excuse to get the dock over and do something in the match that got the crowd worried and frightened while still getting himself checked over. Because if there's one thing that Brian talked at length about during his presser was how much he is relying and wants others in the locker room to rely on the opinions and the the work of the doctors in AEW. I think this was his opportunity to tell the doc, I'm fine, but my arm isn't. And we'll have to get like, watch, watch my arm, you know, keep an eye out, please. I think that's really what they were trying to do. Um, and I see in the chat. Yeah, and I see someone in the chat being like, hardcore is the media breaking down the matches, but I bet most fans just enjoyed the match. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that statement. And and I think most people who are, quote, breaking down the match are doing it from a point of, like, of of interest and not a point of, like, shitting on the match because the match was very good. Uh, The breaking it down is really talking about what changed once the injury happened. Uh, And none of us 
none of us knew what was going on until we saw Brian walk into the press room with a big old sling on his arm. And everyone was just like, if you were watching, you heard everyone be like, oh. And all of a sudden, every question that anyone had changed to, so how about that thing on your arm? Uh, and, and the conversation shifted. And the match shifted. And the match became a little different. But it, I don't think it was changed so much that like the finish became different and the this spot changed because they weren't going to do a lot of like super duper high spots they weren't going to do flips and dives uh at least to a certain degree that compared to will and kenny those guys are going to go that route and that's fine that's why this match was it was going to be more map based there was going to be some aggression they were going to beat the shit out of each other and that's what a lot of people wanted to see this submission spot just to add to it there's a big difference between hearing uh, in the arena and hearing nothing at all and then the bell. You don't yeah. hear the tap because the tap doesn't happen on the mat or it's not, it's not referee loud. So that's why it's, again, that 50-50 finish of how the crowd will react. Uh, and because and they're not sorry, biting. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, but I, I want to make this point of like, it, it's a great point of like, yeah, you hear the, the mat slapping. You can be anywhere in the arena and you hear that and everything. The tap, you got to be on a certain side to see that. Otherwise, you got to be like looking at the screen. There's like half the audience that isn't watching this exactly. tap out and seeing it. And and that's that's what's really funny about this particular venue. And I know a lot of like NBA and NHL venues are are doing this now. You have the big screens above but then underneath, if you're sitting courtside or like you're very uh, close to the ice in an NHL game, a lot of these arenas are now putting screens inside facing uh, kind of onto the ice or onto the court. And you can watch the show on those internal screens. So there are ways to do it and, and ways to see the match from there. Uh, it's It was just, yeah, it, the, the tap is something you have to see. Whereas a pinfall is something you you can see but you can hear it so it adds to the importance of the moment um like right then and there this was a delayed reaction and it was a good delayed reaction so they made the right choice in my opinion um it was just unexpected in a lot of ways and i wouldn't be surprised if brian a couple of years down the line said injury notwithstanding that was the right choice I think he would stand by that. And, and maybe I'm just speaking for him, but I think uh, I think most people felt like this was a worthwhile match to go back and watch and to see live. It, it, it paid its dues. I think Brian will say that when he's in Japan in January for the rematch with, with Okada. And I got that out of him, baby! <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to bring up the... I know it's not super chat, but you, you brought up the, the first one. So so the first one was Hardcore's media breaking out matches. I bet most fans just enjoyed the match. Then, and then the follow-up here was just not trying to criticize you guys. Appreciate the breakdown. I'm just saying that there's a majority of fans who just enjoyed the match and don't care for the inside baseball. That's 100% yeah. true. You know, we, we talk about that a lot on this show of like, there's very much people who aren't inside baseball. Like look at the subscribers to Fightful Select to compare to the viewership for AEW Dynamite and, and WWE. Like there's a lot of fans who aren't inside well, baseball. Well, no, they're, they're, they're all Wrestling Observer uh, <laughs> subscribers. Yes. Uh, it's not really great podcasting to just be like, 
I really enjoyed that match. Let's move on. Like that's just, it doesn't make for, for a great podcast. I do that a lot of matches with matches that I truly just like, Hey, good match. I'm probably not going to remember this match in a week type of thing. Uh, this was a match, you know, I don't, I think people who, who know me by now know that like, I obviously, I love wrestling. It's, it's paid bills and things like that because I am so in the weeds with this, like I lose sight of just like, I lose, I lose sight of a lot of things when it comes to wrestling. I, I become numb to a lot of it. Danielson and Zocata is a match that I could not wait for. I tried to even put it over on Friday. Osprey and Omega was a match that, that the first match was my favorite match of the year still is um, to this point. So I was very interested in, in their second match. That's why we are kind of detailing a lot of this stuff. I am not, but, any means again people who follow my work for long enough i am not a match by match breakdown kind of guy that is not my cup of tea i like these stories i like where's this gonna go what's this going to lead to we're also talking about a show that is dream match heavy show probably not going to see will osprey on aw television for for the time being until they need to build all in uh he's working i'm pretty sure he's working the g1 so he's going to be in japan anyway same with okada He's, he's not going to be on AEW television anytime soon. Brian Danielson's not going to be wrestling anytime soon, unfortunately. So that's why we are breaking down these matches. We appreciate uh, you even, even chats, you, you uh, interacting with the show. And look, we love super chats, but if you just have normal comments, we like to be an interactive show and, and you know, listen to uh, the, the audience and, and respond to, to certain things. And I didn't take that as a criticism, by the way, of like, you guys are breaking it down and most fans don't care. I agree. Most fans just want to watch the match and then they're going to, they're going to move on. But again, that's, that's not great podcasting. And sometimes we do that. I certainly do of like, yeah, great match. Let's move on. I don't need to break it down detail by detail. What's the bigger picture here for a show like last night. The bigger picture is the match. That's the picture. Yeah, and I don't think any. I don't think it, I was not taking it as an attack. Clearly, you said you weren't. No. Um, I just I wanted to bring it up because it was uh, it was fun. <laughs> same same chatter says I still want Pillar to post. Damn it! <laughs> oh oh man, uh, thank you, thank you for actually liking that show. I appreciate it. Was, it. it was a fun show. I, I give it its flowers often. Uh, I <laughs> so I put this in the circles last night. They they were very much fifty fiftying every new japan talent this weekend and i found that to be hilarious uh if you watch the the appearances on ring of honor and you watch the zero hour matches you'll, you'll see that basically every new japan star who appeared on one show won one and lost one it was very for me it was very funny it was very entertaining uh which brings me to my next point i turned to kate during the 10-man tag and I said, the chaos in me wants Tomohiro Ishii to get the pin. And not 10 seconds later does Ishii get the pin. And Kate looks at me and says, did you agent this match? Because throughout <laughs> the entirety of the match, they, when they're setting up for high spots, I was like, oh, yeah, they're going to do a flip. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> they do a flip. So 10-man tag was, um, to me, felt inconsequential. And I've said this before. This was a match that felt like they threw it on the card because they had to figure out what to do with Punk first. And that's not a knock on anybody. It was just like we have a story to tell with BCC and the Elite. The Elite have to be on the card. BCC have to be on the card because they're everyone's popular. Everyone needs to be there. Uh, what are we going to do? 
And so we do a 10-man tag, and the Eddie putting Eddie in there makes sense because he's about to do the G1. There's a story there with Claudio and with Moxley, and they told a great story with John and uh, That was the story. That was. And it was and again, they set that up with like they reminded us with a week's notice, which I I don't hate it because they ended up telling the story well. Um, but yeah, in terms of just like what the match was, I honestly I think they got a little too cute way too often, and it cost them in terms of spots and momentum. There were a few a few blown spots because they were trying to do things that they just couldn't get, uh, and and that's that's the that's the risk that you take when you try to do that style. So uh, there were a couple of cutters off top ropes that were just missed. And just, again, spots spots that are tough to do because you, you've got to hit them. And if you don't, then it just looks sloppy. But that's, again, that's the risk. I mean, the story was Moxley and Eddie. And that, that was the story they, they were trying to convey. And they did a good job of that, by the way. But when you're, you're, you're right that it did feel inconsequential because we've had this long-running BCC elite feud but obviously there's a big element missing in this match and he had a match against will osprey you know the guy who lost the anarchy in the arena the guy who got pinned uh, will yuda's just taking a bunch of l's after penning kenny omega yuda's getting pinned all the time nowadays um but like he wasn't in this match so it didn't feel and danielson wasn't in the match either but Omega was sort of a bigger picture because Callus is there, Takeshka is there, and everything. Like it, it without Omega, it did feel like, oh, okay, here's the rest of the guys from the elite in BCC. Omega's been the focal point of this feud on the elite side. Danielson's been the one who's pinpointed Omega of like, you've had potential. The rest of these guys are amateurs. Callus turning on Omega, Takeshka being there going after Omega and Yuda, Yuda pinning Omega. He's been the focal point there and he wasn't in this match. So they had to shift the focal point to more Eddie and Moxley. And so that's where they went with this match. It didn't feel like it was a, a continuation of the BCC elite feud, which it was meant to be, but it, it just didn't, it didn't feel like that. It felt like it was something with, with Eddie and Moxley. And now we got, Eddie going off to the G1 anyway, so I don't even know how they're going to fully follow that up. I mean, the Sean reported it uh, about blood and guts in for uh, Boston at, at TD Garden and everything. That's mid-July. I reported Danielson's it hurt. What's that? I reported it first. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Uh, you. I hinted at it a bunch. Uh, I'm just you did. There, you but. did. And uh, you know, f- friend of the show who appears fairly often, uh, who can hack our stream, he's he's mentioned it yes. as well. Um, <laughs> I'm just but, but yeah, continue. <laughs> but you know, like, Eddie's going to be in the G1. Danielson's hurt. I don't know what Blood and Guts was going to be. Elite and BCC seem to make the most sense. But now one factor might be out of it. That's Danielson. Eddie wasn't going to be there in the first place. So how does he fact? We'll see where it goes. Do they do the women's thing? Do they finally do outcast and originals with it? We, we shall see when it comes to, uh, to, to blood and guts, but yeah, circling back to forbidden door. It did feel rather just like inconsequential of like, Oh yeah, we need this match. I think they actually did a decent job pivoting to at least give you something with Eddie and Moxley, because like if that element wasn't there, just like, okay, that's just a match. 
Yeah. Crowd loved that Kansas theme. They love that entrance. And it was fun. So it's a good song. I love it. Clark Connors just tweeted, not gonna lie, Forbidden Door was not as good without me. <laughs> He's got a good point, Sting. Clark Connors was was good last year, man. He was out there busting his ass. Like he, he was, was he was working. Shout out to Sting, man. That dude, that cutter from Guevara, that looked rough. That did look uh, rough. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was supposed to move on the 6:30 spot yeah. and and didn't quite make it out of the way in time. That looked a little bit rough. Sting's out there. He's working still, still out there working. And uh I don't know how much longer he has. He did say in the the post show press conference about he doesn't think Wembley's kind of his last match, but he also knows like his times kind of coming to an end. And then of course like 2 seconds later it's like yeah, I'm going to wrestle on Wednesday by the way. And a tornado tag with Dolly. Okay, let's so let's let's shift focus to this press scrum. I just before we get really into the weeds with this, I loved that Sting basically sat there of two minds. One was like, I don't like how this angle is playing out in the middle of a press scrum. And two, uh, Tony, are we really doing this right now? Also, I think he really wanted to answer the guy's question who had just started asking and never got an answer to whatever his question was. Jericho. What? Jericho's like, you know what? He gets it, man. He understands these press conferences are long and everything. He's like, I'm just going to interrupt this and then just deal with it. Just deal with it, everybody. But yeah, Sting, like, I think he enjoys doing this stuff. And Darby, I don't know how much Darby like enjoys media and everything but i will say darby's typically good when it comes to media like he gives good answers he's he's well spoken and everything like it was very funny when like anybody asked questions for darby uh everybody just wanted to talk to sting but it seems like sting enjoys doing it and i think darby is good at it and then you know here comes jericho to you know play up an angle and then tony has to sell the angle so i have a theory that darby when he said no no one wants to ask me a question okay i'm out i think that was a cue i think they knew that the crowd was gonna that the press was all gonna ask sting questions and not darby right and i do i do have to say like like you said darby um he's actually he's engaging in interviews and he wasn't always that way i think something has happened in the last little while where he's just like found that confidence or that comfort that comfort i think it's comforting yeah so um that that kind of made me feel when 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 he stepped out when he stepped back that's they asked the next question and then all of a sudden jericho was in so it felt like that was kind of a verbal cue for jericho to get ready um which whatever that's a good way to do it i guess but uh i got so so let's let's start with this um uh, first of all, like Ryan Lambert sends a super chat that I have to say. No, Okada bucks are not accepted as Canadian dollars. It's true. That's uh, dumb, but they I, should be. Well, it's like the itchy and scratchy land dollars. It's not actually usable in the park, but you can buy them by the barrel full. Uh, so thank you for the super chat. Uh, so the show ends. Brian cuts his promo afterwards, basically thanking the crowd, saying he had an amazing time and that he was happy that everyone was engaged with the, the show for five hours. Uh, and then he said, I haven't listened to Final Countdown since 2009. Uh, I'm going to be a little selfish. Hit my music, basically. And they played it over the loudspeaker. He also thanked New Japan and was like, I can't fathom a better partner. Uh, which, again, very, very cool. Very, uh, you know, send the crowd home happy moment, which was good. And uh, and that was it. So we get down to the floor. They lead us into the media room. Saw Aubrey Edwards on her way out. Saw Despy hanging out. Bunch of New Japan talent just doing their thing. 
saw uh who else we so okay the room was hot as hell it's 12 30 at night I, I once again i'd say it again i was i've been up since 7 a.m at this point uh and and working since 7 a.m uh there's no water in this in these press scrums there is the, no no caffeine no snack like, we walk by the catering table or at least like what's left of it because it's the end of the night and uh, tons of corn by the way like so much corn and veggies and i was like these assholes must be the most just they just don't eat any veggies <laughs> it's all protein with these people i'm kidding i'm sure i'm sure everyone ate very well i've been told that the catering is fantastic uh i'll tell you a story off the air about that but uh, there's there there was uh, there's some good stuff there but yeah so uh they usher us into the room it's very hot to the point where security walks in just to scope the room and he just goes like this tugs at his shirt and he's like it's hot in there tony <laughs> Shivani comes in and he's just like oh it's really hot in here isn't it and i was just like fuck you, Tony Schiavone. It's very hot in here and I'm tired. And every, it just every single person who walked into the room was like, it's so, it's so hot in here. And I wanted to be like, can you? They should me? have they should have water for everyone, yes. by the way. I don't I'm feel not, like that's a huge request. I don't think so either. And then that's the thing. I And I, this is not, this is not a big request. This is not a get me a Diet Coke now. It's, it's put a bottle of water on the seats or have it because there were tables off to the sides like grab one if you need one. I understand if they are cognizant of like noise and people like crunching water bottles on, on air. I get that, but I think we're professional enough to understand that we're not going to do that. So, uh, Jericho tried to help out somebody and give him some water. <laughs> <laughs> Ended up cutting him. And and again, like this is me speculating. So, so Jericho comes out and he does the thing. And, and I thought it was a balloon pop when he walked in, but I guess he did something else. Does the water thing. He ends up hitting one of the people sitting in the front row. Uh, I think he may have gotten a little bit of blood. <laughs> he may have hard weight a little bit. Tony was like, Oh my God, are you okay? Are you, are you fine? And the, the, the guy who's sitting, I'm sorry, I forget his name, but uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm cool. Don't worry about it. And then the doc, the, the doctor comes over and like grabs him for a second or maybe been Raffy Morphy, but one of them, one of the AW uh, staff grabs him for a sec, I think just to check and be like, you cool. Uh, and it may have been also for Jericho to go up and, and maybe apologize, um, which, which I, that's just kind of, I think Jericho would be the guy to be like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like that was an accident. Uh, just safe face and, and everyone's cool. But um, I, I'm not reporting anything. I didn't see anything. I just, if I'm Chris Jericho and I know that I, I accidentally, knocked a bottle of water in someone's face <laughs> i'm probably gonna want to make good uh so yeah we um we're ushered into the room it's really hot i i've said this a hundred million times and now i i stand by it more than ever um someone else needs to uh host those scrums because we're waiting 45 minutes for tony i yeah i i said i said this um I tweeted this like I know these scrums are going to be long. I get that at this point. Very expected because Tony likes to answer a bunch of questions. He likes to make sure everyone gets a chance to, to ask questions and stuff. And that's very much appreciated. And Tony is going to he's going to Tony speak on a lot of these questions. What's going to what which is going to extend it. There's no reason why it takes 40 minutes for for these things to start get Shivani in there to get start bringing people in because these first questions nobody asked tony anything until the end of the thing so tony doesn't need to sit there yeah. the whole time tony can come in later and do all that but yeah i'm with you that like 
They got to, if they start it sooner, obviously it can end sooner. Because that thing ended at 1230 or 2.30 last night. Yeah. And if you start it at 12.05, then at least it's a half hour, 45 minutes to where you, you get them out there a little bit quicker. So that, I've given up on being like, hey, keep this thing in an hour, Tony. But you could at least get it, get the ball rolling on it a little bit quicker. So a funny moment, um, Britt Baker, as reported by FIFA Select, was in town for the show. Obviously, Adam Cole was scheduled to be on the show as well, so it makes sense that Britt would be there too to support. Um, obviously, Adam Cole was, was pulled. He's, he's injured, had a fever, according to Tony Khan, and uh, is going to be okay. He thinks it's the flu. Whatever it was, they kept him off as a precaution. Cool. I understand it. If that's the case. Uh, so we, Britt was kind of just keeping to herself. But if you want to know how tight Tony really is with like most of the talent, uh, especially the the women, which he, uh, he makes no bones about that. It's been since WCW. Uh, he's like he's palling around with Brit in a room that is like a kitchen behind the media room where there's a door that like people are going in and out of. And at one point, Tony like pushes her into the room. They both push each other out and they, they do like a stupid vaudeville spot. And uh, and then they, they, they go back into the room and close the door. And that's all you see of Brit for the rest of the day and the rest of the night. So a uh, little, little stuff like that, like entertained us for a minute before everyone, you know, started doing the, the actual press conference. But um, yeah, we saw, saw Kenny walk by, saw Nakazawa a bunch as we were walking through, I think, uh, Christopher Daniels was heading out. Um, a couple other wrestlers were, were on their way out. Nothing huge. Uh, Jay White saw him on his way out. It was just like, yeah, it was what it was. Well, Washington came in uh, to say hi to a bunch of people, brought his kids. I thought that was the sweetest thing. They were very, very sweet kids. Uh, Kate got to talk with, uh, uh, with, with both of them for a little bit. And uh, Will just kind of made his rounds, said hi to everyone. And then he had said to us, like, uh, Watch the Will. Will is going to be a lot. The Will Osprey uh, uh, press conference, and I thought that was going to be similar to the Jay White press conference. I thought he was going to come in House of Fire and go absolutely shit. Turns out that was not the case. Uh, I don't know what changed or what happened, or maybe it was an expectation that he would do it, but then Will decided, no, I want to do this the way I did it. Regardless, it it, it got me excited for like a big press conference moment. Um, or like a chance to ask questions that were more story based, but you no, know, it turned into something different, which uh, which was fine. I, I actually enjoyed uh, Will's press conference, but eventually it starts, and uh, yeah, you just everyone in the room is tired but looking forward to it. Uh, if Jeremy was there, he absolutely would have yelled Will Washington as he walked into the room. But uh, <laughs> actually, he probably wouldn't have. <laughs> Funny though, um, yeah. So. Uh, what, so where, where do you want to start with the with the press conference stuff? Because it was there was a lot. My eyes glazed over a little bit here and there, but I think I still have most of it in my head. I, I want to start by wondering why the real questions weren't asked at this press conference. Nobody asked where Great O'Conn was. I, I think this was a huge miss from the media. Like why why was no why was Tony not asked about Great O'Conn? He was the star of last year's Forbidden Door. I don't remember what match he did, but he was riding penises in Las Vegas, and that's all I cared about. So I wanted to know what he, what kind of shenanigans he was going to get up to in Toronto. Oh, that was a big miss. And nobody asked Danielson about tree sperm. I explicitly texted 
people in that media room and said, ask Brian Danielson how much tree sperm he has consumed today. And no one did. Danielson was in a great mood, by the way. I think he would have took this and like had a ball with this question. And no one did it. You're all a bunch of cowards. And people, people would imagine me like, oh, would you ask this question in this set? Yes, of course I would. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? I get to talk to Brian Danielson? Yeah, that's the question I'm going to ask because at this point, it's a, it's my brand. So I'm going to ask this question, especially by the end of it when Tony's like, anybody, anybody else got questions for Danielson? He was in a great mood, a playful mood. I would have 100% asked that question to Brian Danielson. Okay. No one did it. Got all these friends in the media. What good are you? Okay. You don't ask these questions. Hold on. Hold on. You know why nobody asked this, Jeremy? Because you're cowards. No, because we have great reverence for you and your work. And we know that soon enough, WrestleCade will come around. And that man will be in the room. Hopefully, you will be there. And we want you, Jeremy Lambert, the bringer of the tree semen, to have his moments on camera, no less. We'll get it on camera. I'll pay Sean however little money I have to have you get that question off because you deserve to get it. Not one of us. We're not your proxy for this moment. You need to do it yourself. That is what will springboard you to this. Imagine Daniel Bryan isn't the effing goat podcast. Okay. That's what's going to get it. You're all cowards. It's it's you gotta you gotta shoot these shots when you're given the opportunity, Joel. And instead you're cowards. Because what if I get COVID again and I miss WrestleCade and I miss Brian Danielson? And then we're just delaying, delaying, delaying. No, you gotta you gotta ask these questions when you have the opportunity. Jeremy, a, all wise, a, bunch of a wise man once said, Fight for your dreams and your dreams will fight for you. My dream right. for you is to ask about tree season. By the way, Great O'Con. Probably found out how few strip clubs are in the city and said, nope. (laughs) Well, I would like that answer. I would like someone to give me that confirmation. But no one asked these important questions. In all all seriousness, um, you mentioned the Will Ospreay thing. I thought Will Ospreay was was great. And I didn't know what to expect from him either. I didn't know if he was going to do character stuff. I didn't know if he was going to give the press conference he gave. Because Will can... Will can kind of do what he wants to do, right? Like, it, it's very clear they're not given too much direction. Tony Storm comes in there and is completely just all character work of, like, don't care, don't want to be here. Smartest woman in this entire... Oh, I agree. I love person it. of this entire press conference. I love it. Yeah. In a, world I, where, in a world where Tony Khan will keep every member longer after questions have been asked to be like, guys, who, who has questions for this person? They were really, really great tonight. Who wants to ask a question? He does not do that shit with Tony because Tony is just so good. Yeah. At just one, I was going to ask her about bringing back space buns. Okay. And I was so, I, I wasn't, I'm not going to use the word intimidated, but I was just like, Howard. I know. And I was like, I probably should have asked, but I just sat there and just, I had a good laugh to myself. I'm like, well, how would she have answered? And now it's going to be my one regret in life. Tony. (laughs) I'm going to, so you never know how this is, how this is going to go. Kayfabe, not kayfabe type of thing. I love when Tony Storm comes up there. She was at the the double or nothing one as well. And she's just like, I ain't got time for this nonsense. Ask me your dumb questions. I'm going to give you a one word answer and get the hell out of here. Bless her. I want to know Um, what food was in that container she brought up. (laughs) Well, you could have asked, Joel. I should have asked. Ah. Um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna defend our our pal Kate because I saw you know she asked a kayfabe question of like what changed from the first match to the second match. I'm pretty sure she had the first question to Osprey, and that can be a difficult position to be in, especially if you were kind of told like, hey, here's kind of what you're gonna get with with Will. Like, okay, let me try to. You don't know if they're how they're gonna come up there, right? So I think Kate was she was a guinea pig here of, all right, I'm going to ask a kayfabe thing because this is what we're going to get out of this interview. And then it turned out he wasn't kayfabing anything and he was given real answers. And so her question just is like, oh, that seems like a waste of a question. You don't know when it comes to the, these press conference. And again, you just mentioned that it was sort of kind of hinted around of like, oh, Will Ospreay might kind of Jay White this thing. And so if that's the case, then yeah, you probably want to ask like, all right, in character kind of stuff. So, um, but I did see some criticism of, of Kate asking that question of like, ah, oh, what a waste. You know how many wasted questions there actually are in this thing? I don't say this to be mean. Every question to Tony Khan feels like a waste because he just, he ain't giving you much. And I understand this is Tony's like thing. This is what he, he likes to do. But I'm going to ask him, when are you going to come to this town? He ain't getting any great answer. He's not going to tell you like on October 23rd, we're going to announce this show and come to this town. You just, you're not going to get a real answer out of Tony. When it comes to this. He recapped all of AEW last night. I feel like I'm frozen. I'm probably talking to nobody. No, no, I you're apologize. Okay. I, I'm actually on my good internet. You're okay. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. I'm actually on my good internet. So what do you, what do you want me to do here? No, honestly, my it's good been internet. Still. It's been very minimal okay. today. You're you're okay. You're good. But yeah, he goes. But when entire- it comes to Tony, yeah. He goes to the entire card. He's talking about the acclaimed, putting the acclaimed together during the pandemic era. It's like, Tony, what are we doing? What are I, we doing okay. here, Tony? In, in, like, in the course of his answer about the acclaimed, it was, someone was asking about talent. And again, they, again asking about uh, you're doing all these shows in Canada. Local Do you have talent. your eye on yeah. Canadian talent? Local talent. Um, and there aren't that many names that he can put out there right now. Cause honestly, a lot of them were on the, the program the last little while. Um, he's not going to sit out there and be like, yeah, I'm looking at Mark Wheeler and Silesia Sparks and Shane Hawk. Like he's not going to name names because wh- what does that accomplish? That was an answer that he gave to me, not to me specifically, but to the, to the room that like um, the question just wasn't that great. That is really what it was. And, and sorry, not to make, not to make, uh, make fun of the person making the, the question. It was a good question, but the answer you were going to get was always going to be a lot of great talent. Talent is great. We're going to showcase talent. I'm, I take part in the, the talent finding process. Um, Sean Dean, by the way, was at girls next door. We'll, we'll touch on that maybe another time, but uh, he came for the Trish Dora match and uh, he, he was also again, scouting talent. He's another guy, but Tony basically gave his whole answer about like how he was a part of the talent and continues to be a part of the talent seeking process and that he's on top of everything. And yeah, talks about the acclaim. He, he'll always go back to the, to the biggest wins and that is his biggest win. And, and that's fine. Uh, they, the talent clearly had a lot of work into that, but Tony put them together. So he gets the first round. Uh, so yeah, that, that was, yeah, that was what it was. You just, Tony's going to give you the answer. He's, he's going to give you, especially after 
these shows, he's always very fired up and likes to put himself over and put over the talent and put over the booking and the shows and the crowds and everything. More power to him. He puts all this stuff together. He's he's the you know, he's Tony Khan. He's the reason that AEW exists to this level. The wrestlers had a lot to do with it. I'm not trying to discredit the wrestlers of this, but like Tony's back in this whole thing. Tony is the one making all these big business deals and things like that. He's got reason to to put all of this stuff over. And he always, he'll give credit to the wrestlers. He'll give credit to the fans. He'll give credit to the media, right? Like, so I understand where he's coming from. You just gotta, you gotta expect that when it comes to these things. And yeah, you know, a lot of people there, they're, it's some local stuff. They're going to ask the questions that they're going to ask when it comes to local stuff. Brandon Thurston popped me huge when he's like, we're CM Punk. <laughs> I cackled when Thurston asked that question. <laughs> he, he asked that so well. And I was sitting yeah. just behind Brandon and, and John Pollock. <laughs> and I had the biggest smile on my face because I was like, you got this one. This is, this is the, this is, you got it right. And not that they don't get it right at WrestleNomics and, and at Post, but like, I was like, not in a gotcha way, but I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, no, you can answer. Like, Tony, you can answer this one. This is good. And, and Tony did the whole like, CM Punk's done a lot of, uh, a lot of media for us already. He's been great. Yeah, blah, one blah. interview with ESPN. And that's the thing. I was looking at myself like, has he done and the- i was doubting myself i'm like wait a second was there a cm punk interview that i missed here what happened and i'm, talking I'm to- frantically googling like cm punk quotes and stuff and i'm talking to kate after the show and i'm salty i'm tired i'm done so she gets a very special side of me and i'm kind of like just talking in the car on the on the way back to my place and i'm like what what media has punk done and i'm like i'm asking the biggest cm punk fan on fuck uh, on not just fightful but probably in wrestling media and and she's like i i think there was some and i'm just like i don't think outside of espn there was one <laughs> if there was please point me to it but if it was we all did a poor job covering it <laughs> we all suck okay so uh but but he got the out in that uh i think tony maybe made the reference that like he was on early a lot of people who were on early did not they were not on the press scrum so, I mean, it wasn't so much that Punk was given the night off, but, like, if you were on the Tony Storm match to the end, you were going to appear because you were, you know, that, that that's the availability window. Uh, everyone else, like, MJF went home. They didn't have, like, Tanahashi or anyone like that, but, like, they, they kind of kept it to, yeah, if you were on that, that, that one to the end, you were, you were going to be on the show. But no Punk because he was the second match. And uh, Jericho came. He was in a later match. Darby and Darby and Sting, of course, were later matches. So, like, that made sense. But, yeah, Thurston had the right call asking, like, did you give him the night off? And, of course, he's done a lot of media for us. Ah, yeah, 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 totally. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway. Um, The the rest of the questions, like, you know, I I, I, uh, texted Kate as I asked her, Asked Tony Khan how much tree semen he's consumed today. Cowardly. Didn't. But then I did say, like, legit question. Ask about the Danielson song. Because, ask about Final Countdown. Because Danielson was asked about it. And even he said, like, that's a question for Tony. 
And then nobody asked. And I'm like, why has nobody asked this? And then you did ask it. And she said that she passed that over. You may have already had had plans to ask. I'm not trying to take credit for this, but you know, I was like, can someone just please ask this? And she's like, I'm going to tell Joel to ask this. So, so I did. And I had written out the question and I was waiting to, to ask Tony at what I would consider the right time when I got a feel of how he was answering questions and like also to break from the monotony of promoting the next set of dates wherever people were asking when they're coming back. Um, I turned to Kate just before he started and I said, did he ever answer the rights fee for, uh, for Final Countdown? And I don't think Kate really understood what I was asking. And then I was like, okay, I, I have my question here anyway. I know that the catalog was just, or parts of the catalog was just sold. Uh, and I wanted to know, like, did that play a role in them getting Final Countdown? And of course, Tony said no, but I I think partially yes. Uh, I, I, he he wouldn't say the number came down. He just kept saying like this has been in talks for a long time, and now we finally got it. And I'm like, it feels a little too convenient that like five days, a week after this this deal was done, suddenly you guys hopped on it. And I'm not trying to say that you know Tony said like we didn't do the deal in five days. I didn't think for a second that they did the deal in five days. I think the deal opened up the opportunity to expedite a process that may have taken longer than they would have liked. But he didn't tell I, me as much. I think that you know th- this match had been booked for just under a month now. Certainly before the rights kind of came down and and all of that thing happened. I don't know this for certain. I can certainly understand why he would want it for this particular match. Cause he said after all out when Danielson made his debut a couple of years ago, like, Hey, that's an expensive thing. You use that match. You use that song for his debut. One, it would have got a huge reaction, but then you set up the expectation of continuing to use it. And I don't think they wanted to do that because they clearly could not continue to use it. This was a big enough match. I think the only other match would have been Grand Slam, but that was Danielson's first match. And again, you want to, against Omega, again, you want to create the expectation of like, no, like he has a certain theme that he's going to use and continue to use. This was the match where it's like, okay, if we're going to make the exception, we're going to pay up on this fee, this would be it. Do I think like that helped? Yes. Do I think maybe he got it a little bit cheaper? Maybe, but I also do think this was in the works for a little while and Tony was willing to pay for this particular night. He did hint of of getting it again. I don't know when that would be. Uh, I don't know if they're going to bring that to the Tokyo Dome. I don't quite know how that works. Danielson's obviously out for a little while. Uh, Maybe all in. They, They use it there. But, I mean, that would make a lot of sense if Danielson, hopefully he's healthy, good to go, all in. I think all in would be uh, the time you might hear final countdown again. So for those who, who are unaware, the reason why the final countdown conversation was something that I asked about was because uh, Joey Tempest, who is the front man for Europe, the band who, who has, who makes the, who made the song final countdown, uh, his music publishing catalog was acquired by primary wave music. This happened like late last week. So, that opened up a lot of conversation about whether or not, because a lot of artists are starting to sell their catalogs to third party companies. It's suddenly bringing down negotiation costs or not just costs, but like the, the negotiations are a little bit more fluid 
for these uh, these companies to use big songs. So maybe at the time, Tempest and and uh, Joe Tempest and whoever represented Europe and the rights were asking for an exorbitant amount of money. I think Tony hinted at like the cost of a wrestler's contract, which by the yeah. way, like anywhere between like twenty thousand and. You know, people's minds went wild, like, oh, my God, millions. And it's like, well, it could also be not that. But I'm sure it was a a pretty penny. Uh, And so the negotiations maybe come a little easier when you're dealing with a third party and not someone who's directly affected or interested in the the music itself. So that it's almost more robotic that way. You're not dealing with the motion about selling your music and the importance of that. It becomes like, Oh yeah, no, you want to do it. Here's the price tag. You pay it up and we're good to go. Um, but that, that's kind of where the, the crux of my conversation with Tony was, was like, did things change with this deal with primary wave? Did it become easier? Did it become, you know, and, and he said like it, they knew about the deal. They, they got it done. We're good. Uh, and then I asked about many men because the guns had both been like, if we get a thousand tweets or retweets, yeah, you want to get on that. Okay. Two, two parts. Uh, first one, I hope Tony next time when people are like, why won't you sign this guy? Why won't you sign that guy? This person's blow up. Tony's like, we paid for final countdown. All right. Sorry guys. What do you want? You want speedball Mike Bailey and AEW? You want final countdown? Take your choice. You can't have both. All right. This is expensive. Um, the guns thing. I was a little perturbed at you, Joel Pearl, because I'm going to find this. I'm going to find this real quickly. I was, I was looking Is it up. Follow-up tweets. Yes. Oh, that's what I did. I missed it. But I still got yeah. an answer out of Tony that, that worked. You did. You did. And, and like, you know, that, that was good. Um, so there was the, the first tweet, June 22nd. This gets 1,000 retweets. Tony Khan has to give us many men. It's got seven. It's got 4,000 retweets. It's got 7,000 likes. Um, and then the next tweet was make sure to tag Tony Khan to show how important this is to y'all. The next tweet, Joel, I have you guys in the palm of my hands. Look at how quick you guys were to jump. How cute you thought I would give y'all what you want. Sit down and shut the hell up. The guns run the show now. So he was trolling, baiting. I'm sure maybe they probably do want it because it is a good song. And I do think it adds to their presentation, but it was a troll kind of thing from from Austin Gunn. Fine by me. I was more interested in uh, in in the rights fee and the opportunity to use it again. So I got the answer uh, that I wanted, you did. which was you know that they have the rights in perpetuity. And and also one thing I found interesting was that Tony kept hinting at streaming services, and he kept hinting at when we when we arrive on this streaming service or this platform, you'll still be able to hear the music. I think there was more to that. And, and he kept hitting on it as if like, there's a deal that is imminent. And again, Brandon Thurston asked about the all in uh, the all in deal and where it's going to stream and we're going to be watching it. And he said, I can't announce it yet, but you're going to be able to watch it. Everything's cool. We're just dealing with the broadcast rights in the UK. And then we're going to, you know, we'll announce what's going on. And so it feels to me like there is a, there is something coming, uh, this is again, this is total speculation, but just by the way he was talking about it, it feels like there was a bigger deal coming with all in will come something else. Uh, it feels like it'll be a, a bigger package deal. Uh, I could be wrong, but just from the way he talked about it and really kept hinting at it, uh, something was going on. Yeah, he hinted at Max for all in is what they're saying in the chat. And it's yeah, he did. 
they got a, I mean, they got two months before this show. If they're going to announce something, they got to announce it. I would assume within the next month, because you probably want at least a month of like promotion. Here's how to watch and everything for, and to try to boost subscribers for the, for the month as well. So I, I think within the next month, we'll probably uh, hear something on that. Maybe, maybe it could be completely wrong, but yeah, he definitely hinted at, at, uh, at some type of streaming deal when it came to, to all in and then yeah, the right stuff when it came to, to the music. So we shall, we shall see on that. Yeah. So uh, it was that, that, that was uh that was fun from Tony. Uh, again, there was, there were a lot of questions of like, when are you coming, you, here? coming there? Yeah. You, you asked, you asked a good question, Joel. I fed it to you. No, um, uh, <laughs> you asked, you asked a good question. And again, and a question that you actually got like a legitimate answer out of i understand those press conferences are very very difficult i i did the scrum this was 2019 so it's been years uh since i've done one of the the AEW scrums but like it can be difficult because you don't know who's gonna kayfabe you don't know who's gonna stay in character you don't know what kind of mood people are in and when it comes to tony like knowing how tony just operates listening to enough tony calls and everything you can ask him a good question it doesn't mean he's going to give you the an actual answer on things. So it can just be it can be difficult, and it's already such a long night for everybody. Uh, like it, it can be a, a tough situation when it comes to that. I think everybody does the best they can in the situation, and I don't begrudge people for asking the questions that they ask in that setting. I think it's a little bit different when you have like legitimate interview time with Tony. That's when I'm like, all right, you gotta. It got to be a little bit better when it comes to this stuff. In this setting, I I don't know what you guys are told, but typically it's like, hey, focus on Forbidden Door. Don't be asking. They didn't do shit this time. And you're okay. right. They do normally do that. They're like, we're going to talk about Forbidden Door. We're going to talk about whatever show it is. This is another thing, by the way, just because you, you, you mentioned it. Um, one thing that, and I can only speak to my experience with WWE. Um, one thing that I appreciated WWE doing was when we had the post press conference for Elimination Chamber, they told us in the room ahead of time who was planning to to show up and who who was wow. planning to speak. That way, we got our questions in order and things kind of flowed a little better. Whereas when we randomly have people coming in and out of the room with the AW scrums, it kind of forces us to like think on our feet, which is part of the deal. I get that. But it's nice to have a little bit of foresight to be like, okay, Will's going to be there. Maybe Kenny's going to be like, I had to, I wrote down a bunch of questions throughout the night. I thought Orange Cassidy was going to be there. I had a question about uh, his interaction with Shibata, especially at the end. And if there was, cause I knew it was going to be a kayfabe conversation with, with, uh, with Orange Cassidy for the most part. So I was going to ask like, what, 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 ask, what do you guys exchange? You know? See, this is where you got to just ask Orange Cassidy about the Fast and Furious franchise, Joel. That's going to get you the best answer. He's a big fan. Anyway, He's a big fan. There were there were a lot of a lot of questions I had for certain talent that weren't there. And again, that's fine. I just I think others would agree who were in that room. It would have been very nice to have a a bottle of water and b uh, some sort of idea of who was going to be speaking to us. Um, Beyond Will Ospreay, I think we all figured Will would be there because English-speaking New Japan star, new champion, only new champion of the night. You should probably have him. Uh, I do love that they kept ripping on Andy from Rev Pro. I thought that was very funny. Answer your text, Andy. Uh, and and of course they tie it back to the whole Arsenal fandom versus Fulham FC. It was there was some, like again there were a bunch of cute moments. No. In 
Nobody asked Tony. This I wanted this asked in the pre-show, in the pre-media scrum uh, or media press, whatever the media call on, that they do before the shows. Nobody asked Tony about Okada and and being a fan of I forget the the name of a the the, the team now, but he, seventeen times Okada mentioned how big of a fan he is. Clearly, I forgot what the the football club is. How often did Okada? mentioned the the football club this year nobody asked about that and did tony book okada to lose because he just kept mentioning the uh manchester city by the way i was looking it up manchester city okada's a big manchester city fan did he's like i'm sick of hearing about manchester city so he just he's gonna book okada to lose these are the important questions you guys are asking who's who do you have your eye on tony who when are you coming to my town Tony. Stop trying to pop media with your questions, Jeremy. Stop it. I don't pop myself. All right. Like, honestly, you know, when, when you're dealing with Tony and you're just, you're not gonna, you're going to get the answers you're going to get out of him. Like I know me is a job. They're going to write the stories they're going to write. But what's for me, I look at it from a very myopic point of view of like, what's going to pop me. These questions pop me. If you're doing media and you're asking, when you come to my town, Tony Khan says AEW is coming to d- d- Canada over West, East, North, South. When are you coming Sometimes, to Montreal? When are you coming to Montreal? When are you coming? To- Where are they yeah. going to run in Montreal? They can run the Bell Center, but they don't have, anyway. They get, the, the next place they can run is, is Laval, which is where WWE does their house shows, which is probably where they would start. But Laval is fucking far from anywhere in Montreal. There's, there's, anyway, that's a whole other can of worms. Go ahead. This continue, is a good please. question. This is a good question. Just ask Tony. Can I get a bottle of water? <laughs> I said to Kate, I was like, I, I was like, uh, JoelPearlFifle.com. Tony, you have those bottles of water up there. Would you mind giving me <laughs> one? Uh, just Kate just popped, and and this was the most frustrating part. So the media guys are are on either side of the room, handing out the microphone so we can ask her questions. And I'm staring the whole time because the guy who's on our side, very nice guy, by the way, uh, shout out to John. He uh, He's there doing his thing and there's a bottle of water sitting right on that. Th- and I'm like, that's a sealed bottle and no one's touching it. At the end of the scrum, when everyone said goodnight and everyone went to go swarm Tony, I went the other way and grabbed that bottle of water and I was like, oh, I just jugged that thing down. So uh, <laughs> I was done. It's 2.30 in the morning. I was parched. I was so over it. So there you go. Uh, Ryan Lambert says Jeremy's trying to get all us Lambert's banned in AEW. You could be two for two if you really try Sorry, hard. I mean, one's already banned, so I, I mean, maybe he's welcome back. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I know Senor Nerd is a, a regular in in the chat. I don't know. It's like if he's being facetious here. I don't know what the tone is of this. My real wrestling journalist, or no, absolutely not. I mean, I am, but. You know, I I write the I write dumb stuff. I write stuff that pops me. I'm asking these questions, pop me. And I'll probably get a better answer than Tony saying, yeah, we're coming to your town soon. Yeah, I got my eye on everybody. ROH <laughs> is not developmental. The acclaimed, look at what a success story they are. The crowd was great. Tremendous crowd. Big success. I think honestly, the only other question I would have asked, but I didn't because I knew what I would have, what rabbit hole I would have been brought down from Tony uh, was about the, 
the differences between the production for Collision and Dynamite because there there is a difference, right? They've been Somebody... opening promos for the last couple of weeks, and it feels like they want to continue that route. And I don't hate that. Uh, and then Dynamite, they open with the big match, typically an Orange Cassidy match. So that again, it just those little differences I think are good for for the two brands. Um, and I wanted to ask about that, but I also didn't want to start an entire like 18 minute promotion for the Canadian tours and the Owen. And that's what's big. The big difference is that the Owen will culminate at a collision in Calgary and come and get your tickets and wear your fancy hats. And I'm just, I, I would just be like at that point, Peter Griffin in the movies done. And I would just up and walk out. <laughs> Somebody did ask about like the aesthetic of a uh, dynamite and collision. And that everything. was Liam, uh, Liam from comic book, I think was the guy who asked about that. Yeah. That was a good question. Yeah. It was a good question. And and he got a good he got a good answer in that Tony was like basically Tony's comment was like I like the 2019 dynamite flashy flashy colors and I was just like yeah you would like the paint on the screen type of the the 90s aesthetic Tony I get it anyway we we've gone long as we always do but uh, uh, is there anything else that that we got to cover from the AW side um, I don't know. No, I mean, stay tuned to AEW Dynamite Stop. Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern. I'm being asked, by the way, if I want to go to Hamilton. and I, <laughs> I've been asked multiple times, hey, are you going to Hamilton? And I said, I bury Hamilton on this show, and it's not a bit. I'm not going to Hamilton. Do not ask Somebody, me. If someone wants some... to like, give me full full ride, like my tickets are comped, my meals are free. You'll drive me there. I ain't driving my own ass out there. <laughs> if you, it's 45 minutes. It's easy. But like, I ain't doing it for Hamilton, okay? What? I'm not. What are you asking for on this show, show, Joel Pearl? Like, you're asking for just a bunch of free stuff? No, we don't do that here. That's we right. Send hard. us your super chats instead. <laughs> Give us your money. Somebody, somebody should ask Tony. I was just like, where can I watch AEW Collision and AEW Time? <laughs> you know what I was? I was so, so excited for the opportunity for me to be like, told you so with the, the ROH tapings on Saturday. I was expecting Tony to come out and be like, we've got more Ring of Honor action ready for you. I have Commander versus Vikingo. <laughs> and I was just, just waiting for that shit. It didn't happen, obviously, but uh, no, they, but Somebody, Claudio did have a match. So that was cool. Somebody should, should ask Tony, is every, this is awesome chant truly justified. That's a good question. <laughs> when they were chanting fight forever. I mean that. But, oh, that wow. question. Shout that, out to that guy. Yeah. It's like, but, if you had time, Tony has Tony hasn't played a single ladder match in that game, by the way. Here's a scoop for everybody. A couple of scoops. One, we're gonna be joined by Mike Straw on Wednesday to talk about Fight Forever. Got to have dinner with Mike, by the way. Mike and his wonderful yep. wife. It was really nice to see them. Put the plug out over. Great guys. Great people. Um Mike Straw, Mike Straw is gonna be on the show. On, on Wednesday. He's been on top of Fight Forever for forever. Um, he's going to join us on Wednesday. The game releases on Thursday. I got the game. I got a got an early copy of it. I've played it. I played it a little bit this weekend. The latter matches, it's, I'm not saying they're bad or anything. Like They're fine. Tony ain't played a single ladder match in that game. He's like, yeah, sure, we got ladder matches in this thing. You can only do one-on-one ladder matches. You can't even do like multi-man ladder matches and stuff like that. 
Like, we'll talk more about the game on Wednesday, but yeah. Tony admitted, like, you know, I don't have a lot of free time. I haven't really played played it all that much. He clearly uh, just was racking his brain of, like, what game? Ladder ladder matches. Love them. Love love the ladder matches in the game. He didn't even know when the game dropped. He just said imminently. <laughs> he could Imminently was the best way to say Wednesday? Thir- <laughs> Thursday. Friday? No, no, no. I'm saying, like, in his brain, he was right. probably like, Wednesday? <laughs> imminently. That's... And you could just see it cogs in his head. Yeah. You know what? I, I laugh. And that, by the way, that was the same guy who had the question cut off uh, by Jericho. That was the same guy who asked about Montreal. So there was a certain line of questioning there that was going. And you know what? Shout out to that guy. Honestly, anyone who was in that room asking a question who maybe had never done this before, like it, it can be nerve wracking and I get it. Um, I, I gave Kate her flowers on Twitter, but uh, I'll, I'll do it here. I'll do it again. Um, she was She was a sport. This entire weekend, um, listen, again, we went from 7 a.m. through the day. We went to one show, did interviews, and then we went to uh, to the library. Shout out Toronto Public Library, Fort York Branch, and did another show. And then we came all the way back to watch one match at the same venue where we watched the morning show. And then we went, uh, had dinner, and did, and did the, the show. And she, she was not tired or complaining the entire time she had a blast and and she was professional throughout the whole thing killed it i i do have to put her over that was uh a big big weekend for her it was really good stuff sure <laughs> match was fine next match was fine we let's get out of here it's we we we're way over time we're out of time what's on raw we got a preview oh, we do have oh, joel everyone women's summit what's happened raw the women's summit is tonight. We don't know if uh, if what's her face if if Trish made it. Trish, yeah, yeah. Do we know if Trish is going to make it to the women's Money in the Bank summit? I think she'll be there. That's Seth Rollins is going to wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's an important thing about this women's Money in the Bank summit. Will they do okay. it atop the ladders? Yeah. Will they say, do? Everyone gets on the ladder. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I hope God. so. I hope so. Of Trish pushes them all over. She's like, "You dorks! What are you doing sitting up there?" I hope she's like, "I'm not climbing this. This is stupid." And she just walks around yeah. them as they're all sitting up there precociously. Let's do that. Uh, Seth Rollins updates on his condition. I, I assume his ribs are still taped up. He wrestled on Tuesday after getting beat up by Finn Balor. Like that's probably not good for your ribs, buddy. Maybe don't and then he do got that. beat up by Finn Balor again. Yeah. Uh, they did add. They did add. Uh, they just added Ronda Rousey and Raquel Rodriguez. So get excited for for that match. Is Raquel on SmackDown or Raw? What? Yes. What? Where was she drafted? Yes, I think she was drafted to Raw. Her and Liv were drafted to Raw while they were the tag champions. Hey, but then not. they're just on SmackDown because because it doesn't matter. The brand split is is irrelevant. The brand split yeah. is a fever dream. Uh, yeah, Dominic, were... sorry, go ahead. Yeah, they were drafted to Raw, and then but now but they live returned on SmackDown. Raquel was just chilling on SmackDown. I know that Ronda and Shane are now the tag champs, so they can go between all the brands. But come on, like I know it's a running thing of like it doesn't matter, but. Man, they don't even care. And like it's tough for me to care about this stuff. It just confuses me too. I'm just like, who who's on and then in the end it doesn't matter, I guess. So why why should I, you know, pay attention? But that's that's the point, right? Why are you supposed to pay attention to this stuff when a month later, just yeah, sure, 
they just appear on whatever brand you want. They tried with the visitor pass thing with Heyman. And then after that, it just became like, yeah, show up wherever you want. Where's your hall pass kids? Where's your hall pass? So dumb. Uh, Dominic Mysterio will address Cody Rhodes. Are they in Georgia this week? I think they're in Georgia this week. Where are Are they? they? Uh, Let's find out tonight. Monday night raw is in Savannah, Georgia. Oh yeah. Cody's going to get a big pop. You just know that U S Senate 2038 candidate Cody Rhodes will be there to deliver a stump speech better than all the rest. They also released a Georgia's own Cody Rhodes shirt today. So that's kind of what tipped me off. I bet Um, Jensen's already got that. Yeah. I think he went to the arena to get it. He drove. He was just like, I need it. I need it. I need it. Uh, is he going tonight? If they're in Savannah, I don't know. If Savannah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Either way. Uh, so so raw. Listen. Here's the reality of it. All these things we just talked about could change by eight o'clock Eastern. So. Man, I know we didn't. I know we didn't talk about this. Um, and I know we're already way over and and stuff. Uh, but people are still here for some reason, so it's okay. Yeah, I feel bad for Bailey. Like she she did local media when it came. To, to the match, she was promoting the Shotzi match. She's promoting Money in the Bank. She was promoting the the show in in Louisiana on Friday, and then like the match didn't happen. She didn't appear, and it's like okay, it's one thing, and this isn't good either. I'm not I'm not justifying justified uh, cutting match chant. Uh, I'm not justifying any of this of like changing the script, cutting matches and, and things like that when talent is like expecting to wrestle and stuff like that. That's not good. But when these people are doing like this local media and hyping things up and like trying to get people interested, trying to get people to come out to the shows, taking time out of their day to do this stuff for your company. And then you take them off of the show and don't book them and don't give them the match that you've, that they've been promoting, that you've been promoting. That sticks with people. Dude, like that just that sticks with talent that that sticks with not only the talent that you've pulled, but the talent that that are friends with these people. It sticks with fans of like, wait a second, I came here to see Bailey. I saw Bailey on my local news and she was very funny and I was very interested in this. Match. Why is this happening? That's the it just you're just hurting your own you, everybody like you're you're hurting your own brand. You're hurting your own wrestlers like and it's such an it's an easy thing to not do. Just say, just don't do this. What did that Charlotte and Lacey Evans match really add to the show that you couldn't have given them Bailey and Shotzi that you promoted a week in ahead of time and that Bailey was on local media promoting? What did Charlotte and Lacey Evans accomplish that you couldn't have just done with with Shotzi and Bailey that you had promoted? It's just they just shoot themselves in the foot with with this kind of stuff, and I feel bad for a lot of the talent when this happens to them. But I especially felt bad for Bailey on Friday because I watched and covered like that local stuff. She did a bunch of local media, man, and then just done and off. It's like if she leaves, there's reasons. Yeah, for this. you can't like yeah, like- you can you can look at some of this stuff and be like, I don't blame you. I don't blame you for wanting out of there going elsewhere because you just like, they, they sent you to do all this. They gave you, they, they, they took your free time to do all of this 
and then you weren't even on the show and wrestle. And she tries to play it off of like, ah, card subject to change, you idiots. It's like, man, good on you for like trying to keep that up. But maybe she doesn't care. Maybe she doesn't take it too hard or anything. She's like, oh, nature of the business type of thing. But like, you know, if that's the case, all right, then I'm complaining about nothing. I'm feeling feelings about nothing. But I feel for her with all this stuff. I mean, if you're you're feeling feelings about nothing, it's really because you did the legwork of covering her conversations <laughs> and so you you know you feel a certain way it's almost as if your work is for not uh you know your transcription or your writing whatever I, and i get that um but i agree like you you set this stuff up you have made people get invested people were talking about this too you know bailey this could be shots he joins the match this could be the the more riffs in the the damage control uh st- storyline there was there was a lot here that could have been done but that isn't what happened and they ended up putting the match off uh and a few other matches again there was the momentum three-way that was i'm glad that was off the show yeah that one probably didn't need to be on the show yeah and and like again not everything that was cut was like man that sucks but that was one match in particular and i agree with you and i saw i saw you talk about that uh the the media that bailey did and how her match got cut and she was effectively promoting that match, which is what she was there to do. And you and I, as creative people, we care about doing the creative job right. And that's what these wrestlers are doing. They are creative people. They're trying to promote their craft. And when that gets changed on them, uh, it could be, it could be disheartening. It could be frustrating. But like you said, Bailey's been around for a long time. It's entirely possible that she was like, all right, it happens. That's frustrating, but that's the job. And if that's it, that's it. But it, it, feeling a certain way in this case is more like it's not. I think there are people out there who who are more frustrated that the match didn't happen because they were going to sink their teeth into into that match into that story. So who knows where? Who who knows where we actually stand on it? There's an internal and an external. There's the fan expectation, and then there's obviously the the WWE expectation, whether you're a wrestler or story or Vince or whatever it is. All right, let's let's get out of here. We've we've we're way over time. We're 30 minutes over time. We started late as it was. This was an AEW press conference right here. Sorry, everybody. Look at us doing press conferences. Any more questions? I think everyone's done a really good job tonight. I think they all deserve to hear your questions if you have questions. So uh, <laughs> once again, no, 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 don't go anywhere. Will, stay here. Will, no, no, Daniel, D- D- Daniel, stay here, stay here, stay here. No, no, a lot of people travel. A lot of people travel to be here. I want to make sure everyone has the opportunity to ask a question because Four you know people. not everyone, not everyone can be here all the time. So you know, we 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 appreciate the media who's here covering this. We can't do this without you guys. You guys have been great with your coverage of in the weeds and AEW and we really appreciate it. We want to make sure everyone has the opportunity to to ask a question because not everyone can can be here. Tremendous. Uh thank you guys. Justified this is awesome chance. Oh no. Looking forward to the 24 hour in the weeds stream. That's- We're gonna do this one day. We're gonna no. I don't know about yeah yeah we're gonna do a charity stream. I'm I'm on to I don't know when. We're gonna we're gonna do a charity stream. Okay that's um yeah I again no idea when this is gonna happen. Um but we're gonna we're gonna do a charity stream and we're gonna try to do twenty four hours. Whether we can pull it off, I don't know. So but uh bad. I'm uh, I can already hear I can already hear people in my household screaming. Literally and figuratively. Same. All right. Same. Let's plug this stuff and go home, Jeremy Lambert.
uh fightful overbooked you're here you know what it is if you're if you're not here all the time we have new content all the time new episode of tag talk later on like in two hours at this point um new episode of of tag talk will will be will be happening at 3 p.m eastern on this channel join Haley and kylie i'm sure they'll have a lot to say with uh the elite and kenny omega and will osprey that match and everything else from forbidden door uh, what's tomorrow? FMC. We talk basketball. If that's your cup of tea, um, Wednesday, we are back within the weeds in the weeds is Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, so we'll be back on Friday as well. And, uh, we have coexisting with Rob and Maggie and we have indeed with Reg and, and Mike and yeah, Joel and Kate at eight on, on Sundays. And I think that's everything on overbook next week. They're, we're still doing stuff now for July 3rd. Um, I've not hyped this as much because we're Ronnie's schedule might have changed because we were not expecting him to, uh, to, and, but we're very proud of him that he's in the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. But when we talked to him about all of this, he said he wasn't going to be able to do it. And then he qualified. And now we were planning to do stuff the day before and Ronnie's going to have to do stuff the day before. So we're trying to figure that all out uh, once we get that side situated. We will uh, we will keep everybody up to date. Um, I can tell you, we are no longer doing hot dogs. Um, we, we we're switching that up as well. So plans change, um, but we we are we're, we're figuring it all out. Cards subject to change, marks. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still thinking about Tony Storm. <laughs> She's great. Anyway, uh, yeah, the, lots, lots of content here on Fightful Overbook. Leave a thumbs up if you haven't already. It's good to see you all in the chat, hanging out with us. Uh, tell your friends about this show because guess what? That's how uh, we get popular or something. That sounds word like of mouth. Popular. Word of mouth. Share us on your socials. Tell them all. This is where you want to be. I will be much more awake on Wednesday, but thank you for bearing with us for the two and a half hours we did today because this was a good show, but uh, I, I need a nap. So uh, I am at Joel Pearl, J-O-E-L-P-E-A-R-L. Ladies and gentlemen, friends beyond the binary, what's your superpower? We'll see you in the next one. Cheers. I'm a mom. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.